I'm Commander Shepard, and Normandy FM is my favorite show on the Citadel. Normandy FM. 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 Hello and welcome. This is it. Ken, we're so close. We're, yeah. we're so, so close. Like, man, it hit me today. I was, I was sitting there, I was working the day away, and I was thinking the whole time, we only got two episodes left before we're done with the Mass Effect trilogy. Mm-hmm. Can you believe that? We're basically at the part we, one of our two-part finale. Did we go too fast? Did we, like, should we have, like, taken more episodes? I was thinking about that. I was legitimately, like, it feels like it's gone too fast. But then I had to stop and think, like, we've been doing this for a while now. It's been, like, like nine months. Yeah, like, nine... Every week. Man. Nine straight months of podcasting. Wow. I hadn't even begun to think about that, but we really have been going. And, Ken, it's been an honor. It's been a treat. Uh, We've got... A very very special episode this week uh because not only was it one that i came into not knowing anything for once uh but it was one that i also live streamed my initial reactions to mm. uh which are preserved online as far as i know uh at twitch.tv slash c-m-o-o-s-i uh this is the citadel dlc for mass effect 3 uh and boy howdy was this a lot? I, this is yeah. a big DLC, Ken. This is a really big DLC, <laughs> and like none of it, none of it really feels like filler either, which is a nice thing. Like it's like I devoured all of this. Like every time I played it, because like you know I played it when it first came out, and I play it. I feel like I played through it periodically. Like maybe every, like I mean, short of like actually doing it for Normandy FM. Like I feel like I went back and played at least parts of it. Like maybe like every six months or so. Like, and that, that's been, like, for the past, like, six years or so. Because, like, I, I always have, like, periodic times where I'm, like, I'm in that Mass Effect mood. I gotta go, like, play mm. at least a little bit of Mass Effect 3. Usually it's either Citadel or the ending. Just, like, you know, the whole London section. And, yeah. So, like, Citadel is something that I go back to every... At least, like, once or... At least once or twice a year. That's interesting. Because I would, I would think that that would get like repetitive after a while like seeing the same dialogues over and over again like you've got to know a lot of these by heart at this point yeah but like it's also like so distant from one another that it's like you know people have got like their comfort food movie or game or whatever that that's, they go back to yeah, every now and then true. that's true and that's like that those last little bits of mass effect 3 have always been that for me i can i can chart the beginning of final fantasy 10 probably all the way up to like I'm trying to think. Probably up to the, um, the Mia and High Road. I would say, mm. like, mm. Uh, right after, right when you have that thing with 
Sin and you have Seymour on your team and all that. Like, I remember yeah. every specific thing that happens on the way there and how it works. Because, yeah. well, fun fact, the first, like, quarter, maybe, like, eighth to a quarter of that game, I knew extremely well because uh, one of my birthdays one year, we rented a projector and a PS2. And that was really cool, but the thing that we didn't rent was a memory card. Mm, and so that, that exactly like when we first got our ps2 like we uh we had the same problem because we didn't realize that like ps1 member cards weren't going to work mm-hmm. so we got uh dragon ball z budokai and we had to play it over and over and over every day to unlock to get to a certain point to unlock the characters we wanted it was uh yes yeah, i yeah it was we were playing final fantasy 10 and granted so i had played rpgs up to that point but I always mark, like, Final Fantasy X as the one that just, like, that was it. That got me. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is kind of weird. It makes me sound really young to some people. But, uh, I, you know, I had played I had played sections of 8. I had watched a friend play through 7, which was weird. And, you know, like, I'd been in a friend's house and we'd play Grandia and stuff like that. But uh, 10 really clicked for me. Mm. And I loved it. And I still love it to this day. I would, yeah. you know, on any given day, it could be my favorite game ever. But uh, mm-hmm. th- <laughs> I played the beginning of that so many times because the PS2 would get unplugged. And <laughs> we'd mm-hmm. have to start from the beginning again. I heard that dumb intro song so many times. <laughs> the one with Orin standing over the city. Yeah. Like, rrr, rrr. <laughs> Mm. Oh, this is a Mass Effect podcast, by the way. It is. Uh, this is Normandy FM. We're talking about the Citadel DLC. Um, mm. So the thing, the other thing, besides like the sheer, I mean, we're going to talk a lot about it because there's just so much in this DLC that I kept going like, why do I feel I never hear anyone talk about the other things that are in this DLC besides like the thing that everybody talks about? Uh, but it also feels like this DLC is split up into two very distinct parts. There is mm. the narrative that kind of gets you from starting the DLC to the end of the narrative of the DLC. Mm-hmm. And then there's kind of like this, almost like they were, you're starting to see that like thought process of what is an open world Mass Effect look like? What is a hub world for Mass Effect kind of, to look yeah. like? Uh, even more so than other games. You know, other games have had hubs like Novaria and stuff like that. But even then they were very focused on a single point. And they got mm-hmm. you from A to B, and you just kind of had openness in how you could approach that. But the the end area in the Citadel, where you have this kind of square where there's all these different shops and things like that, you're going around, you're doing all these little side quests, uh, really, really just... You start to see the kind of the cogs that were turning that would eventually lead to things like Inquisition and mm-hmm. lead to things like Andromeda. Mm-hmm. But... Let's let's start with the narrative because as much as I enjoyed it, as much as I thought there were parts of it that were very good that we will talk about, I thought it was the weaker part of the overall whole. Um, yeah, I I think like it, I mean, it's hard to live up to that second half of this. I feel like and like yeah. with all, despite all the baggage that might come along with it and some things that happen in it, it is. It's like you you buy the DLC to get to that. Like it's good and fun. It's like the first part is. It's not. It's like the the appetizer for like the main course. You know. Mm-hmm. So the the thing that starts this all off is we're we're basically putting the Normandy into dry dock for repairs. Uh, the the setup is essentially like 
you know, I, I forget when you can start accessing this. I think it's after Ranok, but um, I'm double It's at least after the coup. It's at least after the coup. Yeah, so prerequisite is the Citadel 2. So yeah, it's after after Citadel 2 is completed. Um, so, but I feel like it's very much intended to be kind of end of the journey sort of thing. I know that's when most yep. people end up playing it because of the way the party ends up you know, panning mm-hmm. out and the, the way that ends. But it also very much feels like... You know how in, in Marvel's The Avengers, the the movie, not the bad video mm-hmm. game. <laughs> um, I can't say that yet. That game's not out yet. But um, let's you know how at the very end they kind of they have this big epic battle, but they they find like those little moments that have like the shawarma at the end and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. That take that moment, like that very like distilled moment, and kind of like pull it out and stretch it across a dlc and that's what this is because it's it's just very much like we wanted to find a way to strip out all the things in mass effect that would distract you from just hanging out with your best buddies and we just Mm -hmm. want that to be the theme of this dlc and you still do a lot of the very mass effect things so as it starts out you you you're kind of hanging out you know you get to check out anderson's apartment which he's obviously not using because he's off literally kicking reaper ass on earth so he's like go hang out in my apartment or whatever um actually hack it (laughs) hack it is the one who tells you to hang out in anderson's apartment which i thought was kind of fun because i like the idea that you were like crashing anderson's apartment and he had no idea about it and hack it it's just like fuck it man i got the keys go hang out (laughs) um but as we head over there and we're kind of hanging out, we can, you know, meet all the different things. There's so much different stuff in this little area. There's like dozens of these really long voice lines that are about, um, kind of Anderson's, he, I guess he's having a biography, a biography mm-hmm. written for him. Uh, and he's talking to the writer who will eventually put it together. And so you can get a lot of really cool information, uh, like backstory about Anderson and about what they think of Shepard and all the different events of the different games and stuff. Uh, and that's kind of a cool way to set the tone, though I think it was maybe a little bit plotting when I was playing it. I was like, okay, these are really... Dra-. And that was when I was really going like, wow, yeah, this is like the Mass Effect where I hit a thing to talk to something and I just have to kind of like stand there. And it's so different from when mm-hmm. it's in like a voiced cutscene. Because in a cutscene, I know that control is taken away from me, I'm in it, whatever. But when I just kind of have to stand there and let the dialogue just get yelled at me, that feels way different. I don't know why, but I I I really noticed it. Those were things that, like, I didn't mess with in my first, like, time playing through this. And when it was, like, a a point where I was revisiting it and I was, like, actively looking for things that I didn't get around to the first time, that Mm -hmm. was when I was like, okay, I'm going to go find all of these. But, like, I can, like, especially if it's, like, it's your first time playing through and, like, you're wondering, wait, where is this DLC going to go? It's like they are very much a roadblock. So they're always best something something is best held off until later. Um, and and I think I remember I was in the stream I was doing those and like I hit a point where I was just kind of like okay, I'm done reading these I'm done listening to these I'm moving on like we need to do something else so then we get a little message Joker wants to go get some sushi it's like cool yeah Joker whatever and as you're talking with him at the sushi place uh, Maya Brooks shows up and this is a character mm-hmm. that kind of becomes the 
the main character of one of the main characters of this DLC specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is a staff analyst for Alliance Intelligence, and she thinks that someone's trying to kill Shepard. Uh, as she is trying to warn us of this, uh, some bad folks show up in power armor and such, and we kind of get into this, what I think is actually a really cool segment, all things considered, where Mm. um, you're given what is maybe my favorite gun in the game, Mm. uh, the M11 suppressor, which is an extremely good gun like it's Mm -hmm. incredibly powerful pistol that has a silencer on it and they basically say like hey if you want to get through this without having like a terrible time you need to like silently take these things out Mm -hmm. uh and so you kind of move between cover and they're searching around you kind of pop out and and just take them out and move along and uh (laughs) we get into Eventually, you get sent through a fish tank, which becomes Mm -hmm. the running joke of this entire DLC. (laughs) I think everyone makes a a joke about it. Yeah, everyone makes a joke about it at some point. And Shepard, you're then kind of like left to keep making your way out. You're trying to escape as all these people are trying to kill you. And once Mm -hmm. you've dropped through the fish tank, uh, you only have... Uh, one health bar segment. Though, if you mm-hmm. do die, you get extra ones as it uh, as you progress. So, like, it, it kind of gives you a little bit of leeway there. But as as you gradually go through this, you're kind of you know jumping between places. You're very stealthy. The pistol feels very powerful, and it was really mm-hmm. weird because I was like, this does not feel Mass Effect. Like, this yeah. does not feel like what Mass Effect should be. But it fits so naturally within this universe that I was already, like, way into it. I was really enjoying it. it I, I think it's just a really cool way for them to be like, okay, you know, we talked a lot about making the Mass Effect experience feel different, changing up the way that you approach combat, things like that. This was a really, really good way of yeah. doing that. All things uh, considered, though, I ended up not really going... Because, like, they, they, like, they give you the one life bar and, you know, the suppressed pistol, and they have shifted, like, the actual, like map around where like there's cover there are places to like hide and windows to go through like to shoot I was still charging and no vein. like and you know it was very risky because like if you got one life bar and you're using something that depletes shields like Nova uh, my shepherd laughs at the face of danger he lives for it that's his middle name so like it's like I get where they're going for and like yes this would be very cool but I'm also like a tank in this game so yeah. I'm gonna make it work and and also we get a little cool moment where um, the either the love interest or if you don't have one Liara, but obviously in my case it was Liara for you. I'm guessing it was uh, Caden. Mm-hmm. Uh, will contact you and be like, "Are you cool? Like I'm on foot. I'm on my way." Um, Joker filled me in. I'm coming. And uh, you you get through this whole really interesting segment where you're kind of gradually working your way forward you're talking to your crewmates and ultimately you have crewmates one and two you get to the car lot and then um i'm trying to remember exactly at which point uh our best buddy shows up because it's well the, the, let's so like, yeah okay so pull back for a bit yeah one, you're basically like, trying to escape at this point and and right. the car lot is the best option because it 
has cars that you can get in and take away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you get there, and like the, it's in the. We haven't really talk, touched on this much, even though it's like very prevalent, even at this point. Like, Citadel is some of Bioware's best humorous writing. Like yes, the comedic timing, yes. like is astounding to me. Even like a game that is like you know seven years old at this point on an old console, it's like they sell the humor of this like so like it's like you like Fakaden and or Liara shows up and like you know they're like having a bad day and then like they make like a joke about your outfit and like it's like very natural uh-huh. funny like flirtatious stuff which I mean yeah like the usually like the flirting and the, the romantic stuff in the actual game is kind of like dramatic in its own way so it was like it's great to have this like segment already where the the interactions and the relationship feels so natural and normal and kind of like I've been playing a little bit of Andromeda ahead of that season or next season of the show and it feels like Citadel was like kind of showing what was to come in the way that they wrote romantic dialogue because like it's just it's like very natural flirting and just like fun and casual relationships versus like the thing that's like you know typically very dramatic and you know Mass Effect is a very dramatic series by nature because like it's the apocalypse so everything's kind of got like a lot of weight to it what I love about Citadel is that, like, not only the romantic relationships, but just, like, the dynamic amongst everybody feels so friendly and funny and natural, and I love it so much. It's it's really endearing, and I wasn't going to bring it up until later, because I think there are ones either later on in this narrative or further on into, like, the party section that really, really highlight it. Like, there are two in particular that I'm thinking of that I loved. But the rest of it, like, yeah, they started to get this idea of there was timing. There's a lot of, like, physical comedy, which is really interesting. They do a lot with Mm -hmm. expressions and, like, camera angles and stuff like that. There's some really, really great, like, you don't think of camera work in games very often. Because usually the camera is something that the player controls. And so Mm -hmm. the only time you really see dramatic camera work is in things like, you know, Telltale and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so to see it here and the way that the ways that they were starting to fool around with this stuff with hard cuts and and pans and zooms and stuff like that i mean they were already doing it in mass effect 3 but the way that they do it here is so impressive yeah and uh Cause, like, there's, I, this, there's this one there's one scene with the volus who has to like open the door for us and like yes. shepherd being like the, the the grunt that they are is about to like bust down the door and then caden really are was like wait hold on just a second let's like tuck it for a second and they're like just like to this bolus is like cowering because like all the gunfire is going I'm like can you open the door please and then he opens it and just like please leave and then <laughs> yeah. then Caden and they are they look at Shepard and smirk and then like walk on and like like it's a great <laughs> use of like physical animation and like faces and like yeah. we were talking about it's just like wait like that would they could never have sold a scene like that in Mass Effect 1 it's like such a drastic shift it's it's incredible and so we also get like a great moment here when uh we're we're holding down the extraction zone to get out and uh as as we uh kind of fend off these forces uh our our pal or not rex shows up literally smashes through a window jumps into the shuttle and crashes it onto the platform and then just starts like messing shit up and it's oh it's real good it's uh it's it's real great and, and great fun, way for them to make an entrance yeah and well fun fact so for the people who are monsters and either 
you know, have Rex dead or the the genophage cure was sabotaged. James Vega just shoots it down with a missile launcher, which is not nearly as cool. But um, it's uh, so now you get to play with Rex. And I think that's the other big thing about this Citadel DLC is that Rex becomes like a semi-permanent party member for the course of this DLC. And Mm -hmm. I admittedly did not use him that often just because I was more interested in hearing the dialogue options with like the current party members I had, but I did use him at least, I want to say twice. And it was really cool. Just the ways that they had him interacting with old party members. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of chatter. Like, again, there's just so much that's done. That's really, really well. That's there's so much that's well done here with the dialogue and with the banter that it's, Mm -hmm. it's it's real good so then you know extraction comes in picks us up brooks is there and we've basically we know like okay now someone's out to kill Shepard. what's going on we got to figure this out so we regroup back at the apartment and doing some uh investigating some some shadow brokering uh Mm -hmm. We, we kind of find out we use the pistol to track it back to a, uh, a casino owner named Elijah Khan, uh, who's been smuggling weapons onto the Citadel. Uh, so we've got to infiltrate a casino. And this... So you have not played The Witcher, right? Or you have played it, but you've not, like, played it, played it. Right. right. Um, there's the DLC uh, Hearts of Stone, I think is what it is. I don't think it's the other one. I think it's Hearts of Stone. Uh, there's a section where you plan out a heist and you basically mm-hmm. like pick out who you're going to use for all these different roles from all these different characters that are available. And we already had kind of our heist thing in Mass Effect 2 with Kasumi. And this kind mm-hmm. of feels like an expansion on that idea. Yeah, very like, similar. Yeah, so the whole setup is that you and someone of your choosing, um, which I'm assuming you picked your love interest. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at actually the formal attire for, for people as you bring them in because whoever you bring along gets formal attire. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of these are very samey. Like, Tali's is just kind of a nicer version of her normal clothes. Um, Javik, I think, is just wearing his normal shit. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why yeah, you would I mean, bring like... him, because if you're trying to be inconspicuous, that seems like a bad way of doing it, is bringing the last yeah. living Prothean. <laughs> uh, and also, like, I mean, I just don't think he would be down to wear anything else, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. But Liara gets a nice dress, Caden gets a nice little suit in the, the way that the future people have it, with that weird, uh... I mean, it's kind of nice. I don't know. That's not really in fashion, I guess. I, I don't know what's in fashion, Ken. Is it in fashion? I don't know. Do you I mean, know? It, this is this is like two hundred years in the it's future. In future so fashion. If... So, so if you're if you're listening to this two hundred years from now in the year twenty two nineteen, uh, first of all, I'm sorry about global warming. Uh, our bad. Yeah. Uh, but also, hey, at least you're looking snazzy, you know, <laughs> in the fire yep. hell world. <laughs> so, or at least off world at this point, you're. Yeah, I'm you're sure good. Earth is you're like out a there. Scorching wasteland, and my body is floating around the earth in cryostasis as we speak, getting ready to be res- resurrected so I can do another podcast with Ken about Mass Effect Four, which will come out a year from then. So in yeah. so in twenty to twenty, <laughs> um, so that's when they're putting the Mass Effect trilogy on Switch too. Uh, <laughs> so 
again, this is another one where we don't have to do any shooting. We don't have to do any fighting. It's all dialogue. It's all talking. It's all a little bit of puzzle solving, I would say. So this section, the whole idea is that as you and your crewmate are kind of going around and talking to people, blending in, kind of getting the lay of the land on the floor... Maya Brooks, your uh, naive uh, greenhorn staff analyst who you've now, you know, co-opted into helping you out, is sneaking through all the pipes and the the air ducts and stuff to get in to open the door up so you can all go confront Elijah Khan. And as you go through this, you know, it'll do the whole thing where it's like, oh, there's a gate in the way or a fan in the way. I need you to shut it off. And uh, you got to go find the the bypasses, and it gradually introduces things that are like, oh, you know, a guard's watching this one, and you can't, you know, disable it while a guard is watching. So you need to find a way to distract him. So you go over and you tell him like, hey, there's somebody doing red sand in the bathroom, and he'll run yeah. off. Not in my house. Or you send your, <laughs> or you send your person like your that's yeah. with you to do it, and like you get some great dialogue there too. You really do. You like really, really do. Like, Caden or Liara is, like, trying to, like, come up with, like, the most, you know, absurd thing to keep this person distracted long enough for you to do your thing. Because, like, there was one point Caden gets to someone, he's like, I think you'd be a great candidate for the Spectre, (laughs) to be a Spectre. And, like, the dude's, like, totally into it. And then Caden's like, all right, thanks, I'll be in touch. Most of Liara's were flirting, which I was not terribly Mm. surprised by. Um, You know, using her her feminine wiles and such. (laughs) But uh, it did make me kind of want to go see, like, how the other crewmates, like, Javik might handle that. Or, like, yeah. Rex. I really want to see how Rex would do some of these mm. because that sounds really good. <laughs> um, but we kind of just play this gradually advancing uh, thing where we're just kind of always moving forward. There is... Is this the specific one where you were telling me... I was trying to remember um, if this is the specific one where we can talk to the um what's her name the asari the 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 what consort yeah the sorry consort she's here right she is and i went the complete opposite direction shaira shaira yeah it's um i mean there are a lot of other characters here who have interesting dialogue some of them will reference stuff like uh like aria and things like that you know they'll kind of comment on things Roland Quorn or whatever was an interesting character because he was basically somebody like trying he's he recognizes what you are up to and you also recognize that he's up to something too and mm. you're just kind of like you kind of give each other like the mutual nod like we're not gonna you know let's hopefully we don't end up in each other's way best of luck like <laughs> I thought no. I thought it was kind of fun and you can do things like the Varen racing which seemed novel but ultimately I was yeah like all like, the gambling stuff yeah i was like eh, that's fine i guess yeah I, I mostly if i if i already needed to kill time kate and i were dancing yeah that's well and so that's the thing is like i ultimately came away from they add a lot of like casino stuff here not just uh for this specific mission but for later on as well mm-hmm. and i ultimately mm-hmm. ended up feeling like okay you know they really tried to do the whole thing of oh what would future gambling be like but part of me was also like dude just put blackjack in your game man like <laughs> it's yeah. or, or come up with something that's a little bit better than you know like was essentially horse racing um anyways we get through all those all those stuff we get brooks through and uh after getting by some cameras and such we get in there and uh 
Elias is dead. Pretty dead. Yeah, so... I mean, the thing we also have not talked about is this is very much like a conspiracy thriller type narrative. It, it does do the very much like, oh, twists and turns stuff, mm. which is really interesting and really fun. Uh, and I feel like up to this point, even while I was playing, I was guessing what some of the uh, foreshadowing was hinting towards because I mm-hmm. felt like they didn't do a great job of... Uh, I mean, not that you need to, anyways. Not that you need to, like make it this big mind-bending twist or anything but like i was already like huh maya was supposed to get there first and khan's already dead uh yeah. and then when like you're talking about suspicious <laughs> yeah and she's she's very eager to give up until shepherd comes up with like some other alternative as to what, like how they can still salvage the situation uh-huh um and then we talk to this mysterious figure that is trying to like get in contact with elias and their face is blurred out but this this mysterious figure seems to have my shepherd's hair yep has so, her hair maybe has your voice a little bit um mm, well was it modulated during that first segment yeah it was modulated. okay it was modulated okay yeah eventually like eventually it clicks i feel like even then i kind of had an idea of what was coming but um so as ed digs through the hard drives from elias's place and, and the other thing we haven't mentioned is that during this whole section uh between these larger missions you can kind of go around and talk to some of your uh squad mates they don't have too much to say at this point it's mostly just like oh hey you know ha fish tank and stuff like that but Mm. (laughs) uh it is kind of nice because again like it gives you that hub feeling of oh you know we're going through narrative and i get to talk to everybody like it really nails like it's a very concentrated mass effect almost like they just took like the length of one mass effect game and just like took it to a way smaller scale but kept the structure the same yeah uh and so this is another great section that i love um so as you're getting ready and you're kind of breaking open this uh breaking open this hard drive and uncovering communications and stuff there's an ongoing dialogue between characters that there's no food in anderson's apartment Mm -hmm. and so you know like james keeps bringing it up and and people will like comment on it and stuff like they get that really good banter that you have in like you know tv shows where they're like having a conversation about one thing while also having a conversation about Mm -hmm. another thing and uh as you kind of realize that you need to go to the archives because there's something going on with somebody who's using uh shepherd's specter access code to access things uh volus arrives with a pizza (laughs) and (laughs) it's really good it's really really good um and then there's a great part again where you're you're getting ready to raid the the citadel archives because you realize that the person you're looking for is there and again brooks is like well you can't bring everyone that'd be too many people and shepherd's like why the hell not i've got all these people here who are really good with guns let's go murder people <laughs> and mm-hmm. um oh, a little bit of a oh, there too but and then the Volus chimes is that I also need someone to pay the bill. <laughs> like, yeah. It's it's really fun, but uh, yeah. And but there's also this point, like in this, like before we go, where yes, Brooks talks about like how the Normandy crew is like they're like these legends amongst you know the Alliance. Mm-hmm. And while this is going on, she, she's like you know uh, the camaraderie, like the fact that everyone knows that you guys are like a family too, is also this really important thing to a lot of people. And then, like, there's, you know, these jokes about how, like, uh, 
Tally says something like Rex is a big target, and so Rex is like, Have you, "Are you saying that I've gained weight?" And they're like, "No, there's just more of the legend to love." And it's like, <laughs> it's good. It's like really, really good writing. Like, I, I feel you, like you, I'd you, heard. You feel it, Eric. You feel all these feelings. Well, Don't they feel that's good? The thing is, like, I, I'd heard so much about how good this DLC was, but I wasn't like. I, I guess I just you know part of me was also like, yeah, how good could it be? I feel like there is a lot of going into it, I was like, oh, probably a lot of people were still mad about the ending and stuff, so they would just take anything they got and stuff. No, this <laughs> is really good. Like, this is honestly some of Bioware's best writing, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are, like, just the the moments in this, they make me wish for a Mass Effect that just carried this spirit over. And I, gr- I get that so much of this is, like, earned from just right. how much game went into it like proceeding because you know again another thing i reference a lot is in dragon age inquisition they have a lot of those really good scenes where it's all of the inquisition together and there's a lot of like fun bonding like the card the the are they playing poker or something when they do like strip poker and and yeah yeah like that's that is literally one of my favorite moments in inquisition because it's just it it captures so much of what's good about like the the Mm. companions in that game and i feel like this does that but better and the only... yeah because it's yeah because i would just say it's like the it's the point where like i think they realized that th- that kind of concept is like something they can very much weave into the game mm-hmm. proper yes Cause, like even dragon age 2 like there is you know there's the, the standard dragon age banter when everyone's walking around but there aren't those moments where everyone just comes together to have that sort of like there's only one moment I can think of where all the members of Dragon Age 2 are in the same place talking to each other, and it's when Anders blows up the fucking tower. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but, yeah. like, the, so, like, you know, they have those moments in Inquisition, but I feel like they even took it a step farther in Andromeda, like, which we'll get to when we get to the next season, because, like, Mass Effect 3 made it where, like, there's always this sort of, um, this banter going on, and, but that's happening literally every time you get into the ship. They're all, like, there are a bunch of people together having conversations about whatever's going on, or just, you know, there's, like, these little narratives that go on in the banter, like, throughout the ship, like, Gil ripping everybody off at poker and things like that. And so, like, I feel like Citadel was kind of, like, the starting point of them understanding how to make that a game-long thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm I'm interested to see, as we go into Andromeda, how much of that carries forward, because... um. I like from what I remember of my Andromeda playtime. I don't remember a lot of that stuff, so I'm interested to see how that carries forward. Uh, once again, we are doing Andromeda. That's been set. We're doing it. So congratulations to everyone out there for getting me to play Andromeda. <laughs> but uh, so now we get to choose our squad, and the rest, everyone else, kind of divvies themselves up into uh, their own squads, and we head on out to the citadel archives at this point have we figured out exactly who um i'm trying to remember Uh, it's it's in the first room of the archives right okay so we get there and uh basically we uh confront what we learn is a clone of commander shepherd uh a badass clone that has been brought back somehow i i don't think we learned the origin just yet or do not we? just yet but yeah. we do later um so as we get well, in... we do learn we do okay we do learn that the clone came from cerberus yeah okay that's what and I was they were thinking planning of. and they were planning on 
using the clone if like Shepard needed like a spare anything and they needed something that was yeah, gonna be like was, you know, they grew it for the Lazarus project um so basically like if Shepard needed a heart or a lung or something there you go and once the real Shepard was okay the clone was just kind of put into a coma and uh kind of left on on ice and then uh they, they kind of came to right around the time that Shepard was arrested uh, for the events of Arrival. And they kind of gradually learned uh, through the use of neural implants how to be like, you know, a person. Because obviously if you're just kind of tank grown, it's like grunt, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically the, you learn that the Shepard clone's plan is to become Shepard. Because they feel right. like they are owed that. That they are Shepherd as much as you are Shepherd, and they're going to be a better Shepherd than you. Uh and we we st- They even start to like I'm just saying like like before, you know, they would start chasing them through the archive, they start coming after some of the Normandy people. They're like Yeah like if when if you have Caden with you, he says, I would have left or I would have left you on Vermeer, I would have saved what's the other one's name? Ash something. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I was like and right in front of my salad, boy, I am like try to steal my face. That's one thing. I insult my boyfriend. I, I forgot for what you. they said to me. Uh, I honestly cannot remember because I think they said I brought. I'm pretty sure I brought Liara and Tali was my squad, um, or maybe Liara and Garrus, one of those two. But I, I'm pretty sure they made a comment. Of, it was Garrus because they made a comment about Garrus and and like being up, unable to like pull the trigger on uh what's his face in the second game and all that um Mm. there's i i might be misremembering that too but uh i think it was just like what i mean like a washed up cop or something oh yeah that's that's what it is yeah washed up c-sec cop okay um it was it was interesting because they just find really interesting ways to like keep tying that stuff in uh and (laughs) As you then start to move through the... So you got to fight your way out of an ambush, and then you're kind of chasing after the Shepherd clone. And quickly, you... Um... <laughs> my favorite... This is another one of my favorite things. The, the teams that you have going here. <laughs> so you quickly learn that each team of, of squad mates that has assembled has kind of assigned themselves like a name. So there is... Mako's mm. it's it's uh team Mako and team Hammerhead which yeah. obviously are like the the vehicles that you have used so far in the Mass Effect series and they start to kind of have a competition going with each other that's very it reminds me of like Legolas and Gimli in Lord of the Rings yeah. and it's like god it's just it's so good it's really really good like it's amazing that throughout all of this I really did not care much about the actual combat that was happening because the banter was keeping me going yeah. through it. Like the the combat was the background noise to all the fun that was happening right. on the comms and stuff like that. And that's amazing because yeah. I normally get frustrated with games where it's like we're going to talk at you. Like Borderlands does that a lot, right. and I, Bioshock does that a lot. And it's like yeah, I get really sick of that. But in this specific instance, especially because Shepard starts like joining in too it feels just a lot more natural and a lot like mm-hmm. it, it's it's just fun it's levity you're not like having right. story yelled at you or anything right it's like actual friends interacting it's great 
Because, like, at this point, everyone starts calling Rose Shepard for having a, a clone, and Shepard's like, I don't want to talk about it. And then <laughs> there's this really great part that was like, uh, you know, Javik says something like, if you don't want to do something, Shepard, you can get your clone to do it. And then he's like, yeah. I don't want to talk about it. And then Rex says, then let your clone talk about it for you. <laughs> yeah, no, they do some like, really great. good ribbing about the clone that's, like, really, really fun that I really enjoyed. Like, I... It's really hard to, like, not just stress enough how good the banter in this is. Like, it's just, it is so incredible. Um, and so... As... It's like, it, it, it just never stops. It's because, like, it's, like, throughout the entire DLC, stuff like that is happening mm-hmm. all the time. Like, even at this point, Glyph, uh, Liara's yes, yeah, um, yeah. drone, is is around, and you're like, uh, <laughs> Shepard will be like, go find the target, and Glyph's like, what is the target? And then he'll say, they look like me. Then I have found the target. <laughs> The, the one where he goes and then comes back and is like, I have found the target. You're like, where is she? He's like, she told me to leave. <laughs> it's like, she, was like no, she did not want to be disturbed. It's not, it's not the real shepherd. It's I'm the real shepherd. Like, there's some really good, just, it's all so good. And so eventually we actually do get to the Citadel archives. And this is kind of an interesting section as well, because uh, as you're fighting your way through the archives, you can see all these videos that basically show all these you know, big events in the Mass Effect universe. Uh, you get to see uh, a Turian interrogation from the first Contact War. You get to see different segments about the Krogan Rebellion. Uh, mm. You get to, like, you even start to see things about you, which is incredible. Right. Um, uh, like becoming the first human specter. Yeah, becoming the first human specter. You have the one about the Geth attack on the Citadel and things like that. Uh, it's a really really cool section and finally you get to i mean you fight through just so much shit there's like an atlas mech and stuff like that um and and you're just kind of like fighting and fighting and fighting uh and eventually you get to the point where you catch up with the clone and Mm -hmm. uh the the thing we then realize is that um we start moving towards where we think uh, Maya Brooks is as well. And we kind of cross a plane and get sealed in. And that's when it's, aha, Maya mm. Brooks. <laughs> Sudden but inevitable betrayal. Uh, she's an ex-Cerberus agent who put together all the dossiers for your suicide mission in Mass Effect 2, which is kind of a neat way to tie it in. I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, but she turns out she's a... And this this was an aspect that I was actually glad to have. Um, she left Cerberus because uh, the elusive man kept turning to aliens for for help. Right. And I thought that was interesting because I think in Mass Effect Two you kind of overlook a lot of the things that Cerberus does. Like you you get reference to it, the idea that they are very like human first, and some of them are not keen on the idea of having all this help from like Garrus and Tally and stuff like that, but having someone who's literally like yeah i became a you know a covert operative i i'm too extremist for cerberus like that's <laughs> that was interesting but um you, you gradually learn that maya brooks is the one who not only activated shepherd's clone is she's been pushing all these events to to happen and right. the she kind of takes a little bit of an attitude with you and she and the the clone kind of take off and you get logged into the archives and um the the clone does kind of taunt you with the um the i should go 
which is really yeah. good. Um, yeah. and, and at this point, they also, just to touch on something, they change Shepard's handprint yes, in the archives yeah. to theirs. Right, so she can basically then... Well, I say she because uh, it was a female clone of mine, but it was a male clone for yours. Um, the This Shepard can now essentially become Shepard. Like, there's, there's nothing right. stopping them from taking the Normandy and leaving and essentially becoming the true Shepard. Uh, <laughs> so as you get locked in the vault, I mentioned the I should go thing because there's a really great dialogue here as the camera's, yeah. like, slowly panning back to show how massive the vault is where you just hear uh, you and your squad mates inside the the vault going like do i really sound like that <laughs> just ab- abrupt <laughs> like that <laughs> a total crisis yeah and um yeah and eventually you know like what it, it's kind of like one of the squad mates is kind of joking with you while the other one is like why aren't you more worried about this uh and then shepherd's just kind of like glyph come get us <laughs> And, yeah. Which was also kind of fun because I was also like, "How the hell are they going to get out of this?" Without and then I was like, "Oh yeah, glyph, yeah." Um, yeah. So now we got to go stop uh, Clone Shepherd from taking off with the Normandy, and we well we start out with a thing where it's like we can only fit Shepherd plus two, so this is the reason why you'll be only having a squad here instead of everybody again. Uh, and, and Joker drives us to the docks to get there. And we kind of fight our way through all these enemies again. And finally on the ramp, we meet Trainer, who's <laughs> super pissed who's off. Who's been absent the whole thing. Yeah, and... she's, she's kind of been around, but like only through voice comms and stuff like that. You haven't really heard her that much because she's been on, you know, on the dry dock helping retrofit the Normandy and all that. So, um, or upgrade and clean the Normandy. So... <laughs> you meet her and she's super pissed off because um she's fired she was fired by the clone for conduct unbecoming and they kicked her off she had barely enough time to grab her toothbrush which you know her toothbrush is a whole running gag um you can convince her that the clone was not the real shepherd or fun fact if you are paragon of romance trainer you can just kiss her to interrupt her which is sweet i like that but um (laughs) you eventually figure out that like the the airlock door is sealed and you're kind of like is there any other way there is an emergency hatch but it's only supposed to be open from the inside they kind of realize that like oh if we had some sort of tool we could get in and then trainer holds up that fucking tree (laughs) that mick fucking toothbrush (laughs) oh my god it's like the best moment it's so good (laughs) it's really really good because it's this great moment of she holds it up all triumphant and stuff like that, and then it cuts to them crawling through the ducks, and Shepard's just kind of going, if you told me that toothbrush was going to save the Normandy this morning. <laughs> um, it's so good. It's God, it's really, really good. So, then we get into this section where we're kind of fighting through the Normandy, which is really interesting because you it's know it's bizarre like twilight you, zone thing. yeah you have we to like fight here you have to think of the normandy as like a combat zone which is weird and also uh like this is the only time that you've really had this sort of interaction outside of mass effect 2 when the collectors invade the ship yeah which is really interesting but uh we head down to the uh we head down the elevator to the cargo bay and this this section so we we find Brooks and the clone down here, and we're basically like, okay, you know, let's settle it. 
mono e mono. Let's do this. Well, and then the the clone is in your armor. Yes, and like, like has like fully suited and, up. Uh, I think that the way that Shepard reacts is different depending on the third renegade or paragon. But like my Shepard was like unacceptable and just starts shoot opening fire. Yeah, um, there is a renegade interrupt where the clone can try to sneak up on the real one um, with a class specific attack, uh, and uh, you recover and kind of start fighting. And this is a really interesting section because yeah. As far as I I could tell, I have not played this section as other classes, but it seems like whatever class you are, mm-hmm. that they are also like they are essentially right. a clone in all things, which I thought was yeah. interesting because there is the idea of like okay, like cosmetically they are a clone, but no, like in abilities and stuff too, they are mm. a clone. Um, so like if you're Vanguard, they're like charging Nova, like they've got they got your abilities as well. Yeah, um, which that was cool, and I thought the idea. Like, the one thing I didn't like about this was how quickly they started throwing mobs in, because it it quickly turns from, like, oh, I'm in a showdown with, you know, a clone of me and a super-powered operative of Cerberus, and, you know, I've just got me and my two squad mates here. I was like, cool, this is, like, really neat, like, a, a real showdown like this. And then quickly it's like, okay, well, I just depleted Shepard's, mm. Clone Shepard's health, and it just, like, magically all came back, and now there's, like, mobs coming well, in. Well, they have Metagel. Well, that, that is one thing. Like, they have Metagel that they can either use on themselves. Oh, or okay. So that explains that a little bit, why they were, like, recovering health so fast. Um, yeah, so, well, like, then that's, like, you can kind of change your strategy knowing that, because, like, what I ended up doing was I would knock out Brooks to the point where, like, the clone would want to get to her to revive her, but I would pester him so much with, like, you know, Charge and Nova that Brooks was out of commission the entire thing, but and he was trying to get to her and was never able to. It's, um... It, it, it's an interesting fight. I wasn't, like, too wild about it, but it was, like, in terms of boss fights in this game, it was, like, leaps and bounds ahead of the others. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was definitely, like, one that I felt we didn't get often enough because I think in this game you don't fight characters who fight like you very often for for good reason yeah. but like having an enemy that can do all the things that Shepard can do made me approach the game a little bit differently and also made me actually have to like play cautiously and have to think a little bit and stuff like that so i did enjoy it but ultimately um once we get it down through the the last meta gel and take its shields down and all that uh we're kind of left on the situation where the shepherds go tussling down the ramp. I thought it was going to do a whole thing where it was, they pop up and somebody's holding the gun and they're like, Oh, I'm the real shepherd. No, I'm the real shepherd. But, uh, <laughs> I was totally expecting that to happen. Um, they they both kind of go dangling over the side of the ramp and the clone is like, what makes you so much better than me? And then the squad shows up to kind of mm-hmm. like pull you up. Meanwhile, like the clone looks over at Brooks who just kind of like pieces out and you know that's kind of the the unspoken like that's that's the difference uh and so we get a little choice here you can either stomp that clone or uh try and save it and so uh long live the king you long you you scarred that clone <laughs> you yeeted that clone yeah. off the ship i took you don't take you don't try to take my ship and my life and insult my boyfriend and then just like get to what no i took you're, i, I you're took pity cuz i felt cuz i was like man but if that was me, that would suck. You wake up, you're essentially like spare parts for somebody else. Like the only person you are is 
like this this person who is ostensibly living your life anyways and that's just what you are now like that's like i, I don't know i was thinking a little bit because like one of my favorite video game stories ever is soma uh and soma mm-hmm. had i don't know have you played it ken are you familiar with mm-hmm. it no okay you should do that sometime i think i i think i might know the twist though if you're gonna talk about that the, so the can... coin flip Oh, never mind. I thought I, I might be thinking of a different game then. Okay, but. well, if go ahead. If you if you don't want spoilers about Soma, just go ahead and jump forward like five minutes. Uh, the The whole thing about Soma is uh, as you're you're in this abandoned uh, underwater base that was supposed to be the last bastion for humanity, and you kind of figure out that uh, you are like one of the last humans alive. And to as you keep moving through this base, there are parts where you have to like change bodies essentially where you have to move your consciousness from one body to another uh and the first time it happens you sit in a chair and you like do the consciousness jump and you show up in the other chair and you hear like that chair is down the hall from the other one and like around a corner but you hear from the the seat where you had just been sitting uh this like wait what happened and then like silence and you go over there and there's just a dead body and uh you ask your ai companion who's been hanging out with you and like figuring all this stuff out with you you're like hey what happened and she's like well you won the coin flip like that's how this works you know you mm-hmm. were we're making a copy and so uh that that game i won't spoil how the whole game pans out but it is an extremely good game i highly it actually has a mode that they introduced that i wish every horror game ever made would introduce which is it removes the monsters and so because mm. i've never it's not like even a scare factor thing it's uh i don't like those games That's because the, yeah it's the way i mean i'm 90 percent sure you and i have talked about this on podcasts like multiple times before because i bring this up every time i talk about a horror game but i've always liked them in concept but then the actual gameplay of them is so repetitive because you're just kind of playing mm. hide and seek and it yeah. gets really frustrating when you're trying to like puzzle through an area and then you have to do this whole thing like okay i gotta go wait now because the monster's creeping around the corner and oh it's this scripted thing when i get to this much progress he's going to come interrupt it and i gotta go hide like that doesn't feel good so uh they actually added a patch to soma that takes all that out for the most part yeah. i think there are still some moments where you will see monsters and maybe have like a scripted moment where you're running or something like that but for the most part like all the segments but you don't have to think pestering you yeah all the pestering moments are gone which is like holy crap that is exactly so yeah highly recommend soma if you ever if anyone ever gets a chance to play it i think it was on ps plus or something a while back but um that that twist was in my mind the whole time of the idea of like what if i was this person that woke up and was just that you know that's my life i i'm shepherd like as far as this person knows they are shepherd you know they were they have as much claim to being shepherd because they are genetically the same regardless of how they were born and things like that so i thought that was interesting um and so i wanted to like save them because i was like maybe we explore this maybe there's like i you know i kind of knew in the back of my mind that that was not actually going to happen because if there was an actual thing in citadel where you could like save a clone of yourself and have them like hanging out with you and stuff that would have been way more talked about at the time but uh i did want to try uh and so then we have if you try to save them they just let go and follow their death because you know they're very nihilistic i guess and uh we bring the normandy back under control 
Oh, by the way, one thing we didn't mention at all that I feel really bad that we didn't mention, Cortez gets to really shine in this segment where he's driving yeah. a shuttle and he's blocking the Normandy from taking off into space. Uh, our boy is out there getting the job done uh, yeah. with Joker he and terrified. Joker are like, yeah, and and that was the thing. Like, it occurred to me, those two, like the two pilots of the Normandy, I don't think they really ever interact in the actual game. So yeah. I was like, that's a moment that huh. needed that, like... In a, in a DLC that is, like, about, like, kind of making up on things that weren't necessarily explored or delivered upon in the actual game, that is something I was glad was there. Mm-hmm. And there, they have more great moments later as well that we'll get to. But, like, you know, watching them two both argue about how best to pilot something, I was like, that is, like, the exact scenario that I would have imagined up to this point. For yeah, I, I hadn't thought of that. That's that's interesting. Um, So we get one last choice here to kind of to wrap things up. Uh, We have captured Brooks... And we either get to um, we we talk Brooks out of basically we we talk her into giving herself up, or um, she we can take the renegade option, which will result in her getting out of her handcuffs and making a run for it. Uh, I'm assuming Choo-choo. that you did the latter. <laughs> oh, she did. Yeah. She did. Yeah. So if she ends up making a run for it, either you take the shot, which I'm assuming you did. Um, mm-hmm. or your your squad mates do it for you. Uh, but if you Paragon like I did, uh, she ends up kind of turning herself in. There's kind of a hint there that she's going to escape anyways, but uh, I don't know. I was kind of like, you know, we got to take her in. you know, Do it the right way. Um, but, so that's kind of the end of the narrative section. I thought it was a nice... I liked this part for what it was because it was like, hey, here's this nice adventure. This very like, it felt very mm-hmm. almost MCU, if that's weird to say. Like, yeah, the the same way that MCU does the banter and a lot of those like team up movies exactly. and stuff. Um, it reminded me of Civil War a lot. Um, in fact, now that I'm thinking about it, it reminds me a lot of Civil War just in everything. Uh, <laughs> so I really enjoyed it. But then we kind of get into the second part of the DLC that is arguably the the meteor and the more talked about part and uh we are already at an hour so i'm really looking forward to how long we're going to spend talking about this <laughs> um joker suggests that hey you know we rescued the normandy things are going bad we don't know how much more time we got here we should have a party yep and so the citadel party is kind of the thing that everybody talks about when they talk about citadel i mean that's that's literally what it is like the citadel narrative fun interesting great i feel like if that was a dlc by itself it would be you know like it would be as remembered as you know other mass effect dlc is like it would be talked about in the same way like oh yeah like you know leviathan and stuff like that or omega it would be about on the omega scale a little bit lower but it's the party that really ties it all together and is also like feels like it was the the thing that bioware really wanted to do with this dlc Mm -hmm. um so at this point we can go and pick up provisions but before we do that we kind of do a bunch of different um so we we have invitations that we can send out but you have these things that are kind of uh trying to trying to think of how i would phrase them they're like side missions almost not even really missions you don't really do they're much kind of like hangouts yeah like... a little side hangout so ken you're gonna help me out here because i wasn't able to find a good list of well i got the, my whole order. list of notes yeah here. the order and the things that they went in so um i'm oh your notes are probably in the slack channel aren't they um i'll pull that up so i have that to move along with 
but there's a lot. So we're going to try and... One not... for basically everybody. So. At least one for everybody, because there's also like... Yeah, there are a couple of two. Oh, wow. So you're, yeah, your thing is split up because you have a whole separate section of notes for the party. Okay. <laughs> um, so let's, let's start with, with James. Okay. Cause mm-hmm. I'm going to just go down the, the order that you have in the list. And right. I, this, this does look like it's broken up into the sections that they kind of doled them out to you in. Uh, cause you kind of mm-hmm. get them in batches, but uh and it takes place around the citadel so there's a bunch of little different areas like you have that casino that you went to earlier there's an arcade there's like a coliseum sort of thing uh there's a lot of different areas that you're kind of moving around as well as the apartment itself you can call people into the apartment to come hang out uh so we'll start with james and so i'm trying yeah so this is the section where he comes in and you kind of end up having a competition working out against each other uh where he's like oh hey you got a, a boxing bag boxing boxing bag did i say that right so, yeah I, I guess punching bag punching like, bag that was what i was looking for it's <laughs> like boxing bag sounds really wrong but i don't know what else to call it um punching bag yeah he's got like a punching bag you got like a pull-up bar and here's a little fun one uh you can so you start doing pull-ups and james is like oh you know my record's 100 and so the way you do it is you do like it, it, oh it's like 180 or something like it's it's worth yeah and you can do literally 180 consecutive interrupts to beat his record and you can do it it is possible that you get a trophy for it as well i got to what like 20 something before i stopped yeah before it was like oh this is this is for real yeah, this is actually I, gonna be a thing because i was expecting it to be like okay you know like you do one and then maybe it like fades to black and jumps forward 40 or something like that and he's like oh you're really going for a shepherd no it's you gotta do all of them and mm-hmm. uh that's a whole ass thing but the, the thing like when i the very first time i played it the thing that was like i didn't realize what was happening first and but i was also like i'm a very prideful person so i was like there's no way that I'm going to let James Vega have a higher record than me in my own home. So, no. So, I, like, as, like, tedious as it was, it was it was worth it. Um, but, like, you know, you okay. get to the point where you're, like, midway through and you're like, oh, God, this is going to, like, I literally have to do this entire thing. Yeah. I was about to ask you why you didn't have the, the other scene, but, okay, you can find them later on down. Okay. Um, so, we'll jump forward then. We'll be back to James in a little bit. Uh, he gets a little bit of extra love later on, but first we're going to talk to Miranda. Uh, Miranda is great. I love having Miranda back, and this was definitely the part of the DLC, like the part of the game where, like, we did those rankings the other week, and this is what really jumped her up because this first discussion that yeah. you have, you kind of have this sort of like, oh, you talk about, you know, she's she thinks it's weird she worked in the Lazarus Project. She actually like, is this where she apologizes to you about like how she kind of treated you with the Lazarus Project and stuff like that? Oh, no, that was that was um that or was that in, in her conversation before? Okay, okay, that was in the actual game. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, but I feel like you also just kind of talk to her a little bit about you know all that kind of stuff, and you get a lot of insight into um kind of who Miranda is as a person and how much she's grown yeah. as as a person since you first met her, which is really nice, and then. Oh my god the the second meetup with Miranda where you hang out in the casino, um, mm-hmm. it's first of all. So I'm assuming that if you are a dude, the dialogue is changed. 
Uh, yeah, at least in that like the 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 very specific part we're thinking about. It's a little yes, weird. but like you get there now, and like it's still there's still the sense of like we are two very busy people who have, who have terrible work life balance, and Miranda's like. I like I'm doing this. I'm I'm at a casino when I could be doing literally anything else, like for the war. Mm-hmm. And then Shepard's like grabs her by the shoulder, like, "No, we are going to have fun. We are going to do this. We can get through this together." Yeah, she, like brings out drinks. Yeah, she was very relatable in this section, and obviously with my female Shepard, there was like an added connotation of it being like just gals being pals man they're just hanging out like it's space divas yeah like space there's that great line about how they're two like space divas and all that kind of stuff it's like that's something that i also really enjoyed seeing because and granted now i want to go play this as a male shepherd to see if there's kind of stuff on this side too and from what i'm intuiting from your notes and stuff there is but uh male shepherd doesn't get a lot of that either like it's it's just such a weird thing to think about maybe because i'm i'm playing through fire emblem right now but the idea that you know there is like platonic intimacy like non-sexual intimacy in games like the idea that they can just be pals and hang out and like really rely on each other and enjoy each other's company without it being like tied into the sort of achievement of sexual conquest Mm -hmm. like this is this is the best part of all that like this is this just embodies that and i just loved it Mm -hmm. i was I, I adored it. It was it was literally I I keep coming away. That's one of my favorite parts of this entire DLC. It was that oh, was just, it is one of the standouts. It's so of, well of written, like these mixed meetups. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then going from such a standout, we gotta go to Caden. <laughs> so, Bite me. So here, okay. So well, I want you to talk about Caden, and then I'll talk about Ashley's because they're two. Okay. It, from what I'm reading here, and it, it also kind of seems like. So is this one that you only get if you romance Caden? Would you get the one that was Ashley's otherwise? No, no, no. no. This, you is, get, like, this, is very, similar... this is a very Caden-specific thing? Well, yeah, yeah, what he's doing here specifically okay. is Caden-specific. But, like, the the like romance variations of things in, in Citadel, they're not necessarily, like, completely different events. They're just, like, oh, okay. a different way yeah, that they go, dialogue go down. and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. So, like, with Caden, he, like, you know, he initially comes to you with, like, the idea of going out to go for, go get dinner, but then Caden's like, no, I'm going to show you, like, some real Canadian cuisine right here. And then, so, if it's in, like, you do get, like, a little bit of good background here, because he talks about he learned to cook when he was in the biotic boot camp, and that he would, like, cook for, like, some of the younger kids that didn't know how to do that. And if it is romantic, like it was for me, like, it gets, you know, a little flirty, mm-hmm. they get, like, you know, Shepard, like, comes up, like, you know... Nero while he's cooking and he like he gets distracted and then they like he looks to the point where like he burns the food and then they eat and then they bang on the stairs like just getting it yeah hell yeah yeah then it's like Shepard's like we need to I think we need to find some way to burn off these calories and then they bang on the stairs there we go that's right there we go so all jokes aside though I really do like this scene because it is one of the more understated quieter moments in a DLC that's full of a lot of wacky antics but uh it to me it feels like it really illustrates that at this point Caden and Shepard are much more comfortable with each other because like when they first get together it's kind of awkward and there is that sort of hesitance to it but here they just feel like very at home together and I like it a lot um Ashley's was I don't know Ashley's was maybe the closest I came to liking her in this game because yeah. 
her whole thing is you meet up with her at the the casino bar and you start kind of playing a drinking game with each other like she you know wants to drink you under the table basically uh and mm-hmm. you kind of have this back and forth where she is still like super hyper competitive with shepherd because she wants to be like the greatest human specter and she's right. obviously kind of living in your shadow but you get this real sense of okay you know there is like a relationship between the two of you you do like there there is a camaraderie uh it's still a little combative mm. i don't know i just the the part that won me over about the segment was when some dude like comes up just being an asshole and she's like okay shepherd looks like we're having a different kind of night we're gonna <laughs> we'll finish these drinks later <laughs> yeah. and like that was the part where i was like okay you're all right like yeah let's get into a messy bar fight like that's who you that's who ashley is you're like chaotic like miranda is the let's have messy fun at the casino friend uh ashley is we're gonna get in a fucking bar fight (laughs) friends but she's also the friend that you want there for the bar fight so um i i don't know i ended up coming away like liking ashley a little bit more but i feel that overall she gets a little shortchanged by this dlc for reasons we'll talk about during the party section but Mm. uh yeah so oh but garris let's talk about garris oh man um this scene is one like the romance version and we can talk about once we get to like the non-romantic which we're gonna talk about yeah so the romance version of this scene is pretty good i'm not gonna lie uh the the regular version of this is you're hanging out with Garrus in the hotel hotel bar, the casino bar, and uh, a female Turian walks by and kind of catches Garrus's eye, and you kind of coach him into uh, yeah. hitting uh, on her. Yeah, he's <laughs> um, <laughs> a great line that you put down here. Come here often. I imagine anyone who does is probably an alcoholic. <laughs> like, yeah, he's, it, it, he's adorably bad at it and yeah and you can either like coach him through it and get him to like actually you know like land it and you kind of walk away all smug or he just like fails catastrophically and you just kind of enjoy each other's company but um yeah. it is weird that this yeah. scene exists when like an like and spoilers for next episode but like he and tally are ostensibly in a relationship at this point or like i mean i never maybe that scene at the very end of the game is them finally coming together yeah i think that's kind of intended to be like that's it's finally happening there versus like that's been an ongoing thing because otherwise like Mm, if that was an ongoing thing that might conflict with whatever romance could be blossoming between shepherd and someone else so i mean don't think too hard about it but um so i want to hear what the the romance version of this is then if it's not hitting on the the female Tyrion. oh garris like and Shepard have like straight up like a ballroom dance on the dance floor. Really, and as it's going on, James is like in the in the crowd like about it, like you know, because at this point, like he like even when like you uh, bring James in for the initial conversation with him, like before you know you do the workout, uh, he makes a good joke like I'm making this hard for you and Garris like about the flirting that he does. Oh yeah, so he it's does like that a... with Liara as well. We we didn't mention that, and I feel like that was kind of the start of a decent like mea culpa for for like james's character even though i was still kind of like fuck you but it was all like it was getting better at least anyways um yeah that's that's nice then i like that that's that's sweet um javix javix is kind of (laughs) weird so yeah it's like 
the, it has a very strange presentation at the outset because Javik is under the impression that he's going to be like he's been pulled in for like a documentary about the war or something and it turns out to be they're shooting the next Blasto movie which I don't think we've ever talked about what Blasto is we've I feel this. like we've mentioned him at least once but he's not come up often but that's kind of like another one of Bioware's long running jokes in the series is Blasto yeah. and like oh here comes but see here the I, first Hanar Spectre as like a movie series yeah I just kind of felt like this the comedy of this did not land as well for me like, I, like, like it was trying to do a sort of almost, like, arrested development, like, oh, this is really awkward for everyone involved sort of situation, yeah. but it just wasn't translating well. I, I just wasn't getting the hilarity. And also, I think, like, if if Shepard is supposed to be playing the, the ostensible straight man in that situation where you're the one who's like, why is this all happening and everyone else is, like, fully bought into the weird you kind of have two characters that are doing that with Shepard and Javik together. And I feel like it would have worked better if you had someone who was like really into it and Shepard was being reluctantly pulled into it versus like both of you kind of being like, oh wait, no, this is weird. Well, it kind of, I mean, it kind of gets into that because like Shepard does get into like a sort of like a very like petty cat fight with Blasto because like they want Shepard and Javik in the movie as like characters like themselves. And so, like, when Blasto in the movies is, like, taking credit for the things that Shepard did, Shepard's there, like, nah, that was me. And oh, then, like, right, yeah. eventually, like, they, they start, like, passing the gun back. Or, like, not passing, but, like, snatching the gun from each other repeatedly. And then Javik is the one that kind of, like, just comes in and, like, throws the biotic field down and then is like, bye. Let's uh-huh. get out of here. Yeah. It, it was an interesting one. I kind of felt like it shortchanged Javik a little bit because that, it just That is exactly. Because, like, he does him. not... Yeah, because like he's definitely not the star of the scene. It is either Shepard or Blasto. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. I don't know. Um, I'm going to straight up tell you that I don't remember Edie's whatsoever. Out of all these, I, I was oh. sitting here and reading it, and I was like, "What was e-? like?" So there were a few of these, and I, I hate to say that the the person afterwards also. I was kind of like, "Nah, it wasn't a very memorable sequence." Um. But I'm trying to remember what Edie's was. Well, she's like, she wants to go shopping for a gift for the Normandy crew. Okay. And then so Shepard's like, oh, you want to go out? And she's like, no, we we can use the extra. We don't need to even leave the apartment. Did I do Edie's? So, I don't think I did Edie's. I, th- uh, I think I well, might not have been like far enough down her dialogue line. Because we talked about this like last time that I hadn't seen that's, all the... That might be it. Yeah. Sure. Huh. Uh, well, so the, the thing goes like she she wants to get something for like Joker and Liara and everybody and then he finally gets to the point where she's like I want something for you like for Shepard and so she pulls out this uh, ring that is like I don't remember the name of like the line of rings that was, but like basically they're they make rings that are based like the metal that they're based in is from whatever home world they're from uh, so okay. it's all from metals based on Earth and um, Shepard's like I appreciate this but we're not allowed to wear jewelry with the uniform and then she's like well, you can wear it, like, on your dog tags, because, like, that's apparently a thing that they can do. And the thing that messes me up about it every time, though, is that Shepard's like, okay, I, but I'm going to give it to you when we win, like, when this is over. Aw. Knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, that's... I, I feel like they take a few occasions during this DLC to really pull at those strings a little bit, like... Especially at the end of this, which we will also talk about, but... Yeah. Um, there are, like, little meta moments, almost, that are, like... 
Because, like, I mean, neither of us romance Jack, so we're not going to be able to talk about this, but the the romance version of Jack's scene, uh, Shepard gets a tattoo. Like, she gives Shepard a tattoo. Like, and she makes a, a reference to, like, so if you're, if somehow in all of this you end up in the rubble of, and, like, nobody knows who you are, this will help identify you. You know, again, uh... knowing one of the ways that the game can end, it's like, I see what you're getting at right there. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Cool. I like that. So Liara's was also very like not memorable for me, um, and not mm. because I didn't play it, but because it was. Um, so you play. She kind of just plays the piano, and you kind of just have like an interesting conversation with her, which is it's nice because you get like some background on her. And again, this is very much one of those like look at how far this character has come. Right. Um, but I feel like that's been Liara's story beat for a very long time and I was really hoping for something that was a lot more like personality driven that was a lot more like hey you know this is a cool little moment that you can like treasure with this character because that's what this so I might get emotional talking about this episode hell yeah um whenever I like think of people that I don't see anymore that have like passed on or, or I just don't talk to anymore stuff like that like the way my brain works is like I think in like little moments that I kind of like treasure mm-hmm. for each person. I, I mean, that's probably right. not like an abnormal thing, but um, right. that's like me particularly. Like I remember very specific things, and that's what this DLC felt like to me. Was you were getting all these little goodbyes by them giving you these like little yeah. moments that you could treasure, and like you know all these little you know quirky things that really just embody that character and who they are like miranda the messy space diva and like you know james the cocky guy who always tries to one-up you but he's got a heart of gold and stuff like that and with the liaras it felt like they were just kind of going like oh you just think about how far liara's come i really wanted something that was a lot more like personal and so like i'm glad you've got this ordered the right way because i think that the way they should have gone was how they went with Tali's, which was extremely memorable. Um, <laughs> where you're kind of talking with Tali and you're figuring out what you want to do for the night. And all of a sudden she's like, wait, you've never seen Fleet and Flotilla, which is another one of these long running kind of side jokes that's been going on is there's this like popular romance movie that's like Titanic meets Twilight, which is like Fleet and Flotilla. Yeah. And so you find out that's like Tali's favorite movie ever. And, uh, she used to watch it in all her sleepovers and stuff like that. And so you have to sit down and watch it, which has like, it's a fun connotation if you're a female shepherd because it's kind of this like, oh my God, you have like, it's a very like, yeah. oh, you got to see it. Oh my God, you're going to cry. And and then if you're romancing her, obviously there's like that touching moment as well. Um, although it does have that thing with Tali singing, which is really, yeah, that's kind of weird. I, that that could have done lot. better. <laughs> They, they could have it's a lot i mean it's like endearing a little bit but like the thing i liked about this was like it wasn't just oh tali you started out as this runaway and now you're like this admiral but like this is just a very vulnerable moment from her where you're seeing her as like the person that she is and that's yeah. what i wanted from all these different things and i felt like in citadel at least liara is one of the most shortchanged by that alongside like javik and other characters like you just don't get as much of that with her um it was a bummer because i like tally's is really really good so um also great is cortez he's just great why don't you you tell me about the cortez one so you get a little bit of it like he 
the first because like you get two things with him actually, but the the first one you get where he um wants to take you like on a you know a joyride and he gets to nerd about like he talks about like how aircrafts uh function like present like in present day he's and he talks about like things that are happening now that are like pseudo scientific breakthroughs of just like how to make this work and like how to make a person's body function without like passing out and it's like he talks about these things these very archaic antiquated things and like so from like a meta perspective that's kind of like funny because you know the, as a matter of fact universe takes place almost 2000 or not 2000, 200 years from now and it's it's just funny to hear him talk about things like nerd out about like what is I guess history of the thing that he loves mm-hmm. but I don't really know how the scene reads with Tim Shep, but like it still very much reads like he's got a he's got feelings for Shepard. Uh, it's it's a pretty warm scene for Fem Shep, you know. It's it's nice, you know. It's like it's Cortez. I feel like any yeah. scene with Cortez. I think is it, that scene. was just he's just a very caring dude. Yeah. So like maybe it just maybe like the the that feeling is just like me being like why can't you I probably got you probably got a little extra time. because there is like there are ones later on down this list where you can tell like they no matter what character you are they're just written to be a certain way and i think in some ways that's not necessarily an engine limitation or anything but a reflection of just who that character is um we'll talk about that when we get there uh we're actually pretty close to it no no we're not that's lower down (laughs) um first we gotta talk about zaid who man finally gets his moment to shine finally gets to actually like man like his, like the the bar is low, but it's like one of it's, his best scenes in the series. It's pretty good. It's pretty. We we walk up on Zaid, and he was trying to get a prize for a sad kid at a crane game, and uh, he's the kid's already gone. <laughs> but Zaid's still like, I'm getting that fucking prize. Um, it's, this time it's personal. Yeah, and that's like it was a good way of incorporating his personality without like while keeping it lighthearted and stuff and yeah. i feel like they actually do a good job with zaid with that in this dlc like it felt like the people who actually cared about zaid showed up to write about zaid for citadel and like gave him the due that he was deserving of and it's like oh it's good stuff like finally mm-hmm. and like yeah he's <laughs> he gets a little smug smile and hands the stuff volus to to an asari and just walks away it's like oh god this guy's great never mind he's actually great <laughs> <laughs> um now we get to part one of what i will just go ahead and say are my favorite of these interludes which is the trainer ones i've mm. already expressed that trainer is like one of my favorite characters after this run uh i want to do another run of the mass effect trilogy or maybe even just mass effect 3 where i romance trainer because i want to see all those scenes but also like She's just a. I'm like retroactively mad at myself that I didn't realize how good of a character she was when I first played this game because I thought she was totally yeah. forgettable. Like I thought she was just Kelly Chambers 2.0, and now I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, she's great. She's a great character, and she gets so many moments to shine in this DLC between the narrative part where she has the toothbrush and all that. Um, and yeah. and so this this first one, she's hanging out in the arcade area and she's playing i mean so it reminds me of have you read or seen ender's game uh, i saw the movie okay so you know they, they had that like spaceship simulation thing yeah, in there? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's what this reminds me of um it's it's this, like super game that's like mega chess that apparently all the asari yeah. play and that's what makes them like super smart and they have like you know asari masters who have played this game for like thousands of years and stuff and 
her rival having to show up to this tournament for it and first of all there's we talked about incredible like camera use and stuff like that there's this great part where it zooms in on her eyes like glaring <laughs> at her <laughs> rival and it's so good like it's just it's like a sports anime and it's like you don't see it coming at all and like the game has never done anything like that before and so when it happens it's i was just laughing i was just like dying it was Mm. really funny (laughs) and um you also learn that this game like shocks you when you lose a ship because it's supposed to like disincentivize players from making like intentionally bad moves and things like that so (laughs) as you play through this (laughs) god this your note you have written here (laughs) all video games should electrocute people who play them maybe then we'd be free of these menaces (laughs) 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 hashtag gamers rise up um gamers be gaming so you can like shit talk this um this asari rival of yeah like the intimidate option is just like ruining her day because end her life right there because Shepard's like, have, the Shepard's like, the, the Asari had so much warning for the Reapers, and Fethi is still gone. Have the Asari actually ever won a war? And she's like, I'm trying to play. If you could not, oh, see, I think I did the Paragon. Is is there a Paragon one? I th- yeah, because yeah. there's. I was gonna say mine was something like she says, you know, oh, you've spent all your time just you know sitting like playing chess like trainer's been out here actually doing things and, yeah 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 that's that's how mine was but man that's a good clap i like that um <laughs> and then so trainer beats her using this last second gambit and it shocks not only does trainer win but it shocks her rival hard enough that she just like passes out on the floor <laughs> And everyone just floods. Like, into it. And this I, woman has been oh, it's so good. Injured. It's so good. I was like, oh god, it's really, really good. I love this whole segment. And again, like, it's just such a good thing that you can like pull out and be like, this is a trainer. Like, this is just yeah. And again, like the other segment that happens is also very trainer in a different way. But uh, god, it's really good. So before we get back to train, well, do we want to do the second trainer part? Let's, let's, just, let's just go yeah, ahead. So, and so trainer, trainer part two. Um, you're kind of hanging out in your place and she just comes in she's like yo I'm gonna use your hot tub <laughs> and you're like yep okay how and she just like strips down and hops right in and first of all she has some iconic lines here like I'm allergic to dust and cats in public speaking <laughs> like <laughs> great uh, we kind of learned a little bit more about her that she has like she has like a uh, she's very prone to illness like she has a weaker immune yeah. disease immune system i want to say or something she's like on a ton of meds yeah she's just very like you know sick yeah again relatable um so you <laughs> noted this and this happened in my playthrough too uh she makes a joke about you know shepherd not looking at her tits and uh yeah. there's i think so you for me obviously like uh trainer is canonically lesbian and mm-hmm for my female shepherd like that very much made sense and that was the part where i was like no my female shepherd's gonna fucking get in this hot tub too like peace liar <laughs> pack your bags <laughs> but um but for for you i like what you have in here as your take on the notes because i think that is like maybe maybe i'm like we're reading too much into it but y- you say in your notes that um as your shepherd is canonically gay you take it as a joke between fellow homosexuals for me at least yeah. i see that and i'm like 
that's what I th- that's what I would hope the Bioware would go for because that seems like a very like good joke to have if you were on the up yeah. and up with it. But at the same time, that also feels like something that could have just been written in there to just be there, and it was just going to be said regardless. So. I don't know. What, what's your feeling on it, like, overall? Well, because, like, she says it regardless. Like, if, I mean, unless you're, like, actually in the relationship where then the scene takes a different turn. Mm-hmm. But, like, so she says it regardless. So, like, to me, that reads as just, like, you know, that is this trainer being like, oh, don't look at me. Like, you know, as a joke. And that's fine. And that's, like, that seems like a very normal mm-hmm. thing for anyone to say. Um, and that, it, that, since it has, like, that humorous, like, sort of, connotation with it I feel like it can be read in you know the various ways that like like the way that I did it was just like you know she she knows I'm, my shepherd is not going to look at her tits but she's like don't look at my tits like you know mm-hmm. like as again that, that's, it comes back to this like very natural friendly dynamic and banter that they have like throughout the DLC like you know there were things that you know throughout the series that got to me in the way that it seemed like to assume things in my shepherd where just like the relationship that they've established between these two that that never reads like presumptuous it reads very much like just this joke Mm -hmm. that somebody's making that feels very much in line with the situation and the people involved yeah trainer's great man just a great character speaking of great characters cortez is also showing up but as in all things in life uh, he brought on a third that <laughs> maybe uh, so I actually like this scene a lot and it did a lot for me in like redeeming James a little bit because they yeah. they show up to kind of hang out and watch a I mean it's it's not football but let's just call it what it, it's it's football um but no. between two uh two teams and they you know they brought over some beers and they're like let's hang out and watch the game and you you get a fun little thing where you get like the banter between them that you know they had built up the whole game but it's still pretty pretty good but you also have to pick a team and so i wasn't do you always does the team that wins is it always the one that you pick or how does it work i think it's always the human one which is oh, okay. like i i always sided with cortez who was you know rooting for the human team where james is rooting for the asari one and you know they make jokes about like both of them are like the only reason that you care. You're like you're more attracted to the team than you are like caring about their game. And then Cortez is like, "All right, you got me on that." And so I, I've always decided with Cortez because they sit together. Mm-hmm. But and then you find out later that they've bet not on the game, but whether Shepard would guess the right person. Yeah, which is so, fun. I like that. Yeah, it's yeah. So like. Cortez is like, all right, pay up, and then Shepard's like, well, why, why wasn't I allowed to bet? And <laughs> like, oh no, that was, that wasn't what we were betting on. <laughs> it's it's a nice little moment. I thought it was a good way of them like maybe using some of the goodwill that Cortez had earned over time to let it rub off on James a little bit. Because yeah. <laughs> you do make the point of like, why isn't Caden in the scene? Like, yeah, yeah, why not? Like, why is the love in? You know, I guess the. The framing of it is very like macho and like the nah, this is a boys' night. Even if it is like a female and, shepherd, it's like a it's, oh, we're having yeah. a boys' night and yeah. So. And that was the reason why I was like, why is Caden not here? But I think they've always like the scene is written for people that they know are going to be there. Yeah, and if Caden's not alive, then so and that was always my read on like why he wasn't right. There, it's it's not necessarily like, that Caden isn't there; it's that the love interest isn't there because it is that like yeah. quote unquote you know boys' night. You know, like no no 
partners over or whatever so right um yeah it's it's definitely got some uh two guys sitting in a hot tub five feet apart (laughs) (laughs) style tone going but it's it's brosastic and you know cortez is cool so we keep him around uh but now we gotta get into some of the heavier stuff um yeah kolyat so kolyat is one of the people you can call because you can have a memorial service for thane and which is like straight up like one of the really great scenes in this because like yes this like in the in like sort of the confines of what they're able to do which is like it's got to be in like the apartment but like they bring characters that like even if like they don't speak in roles because like bailey mm-hmm. and the count the flaring counselor are there but they don't speak because like they always like, don't want to get those voice actors back for something this small but then like they have them specifically the mass effect 2 crew so, like tally gareth samara Edie joker and like well oh god joker even mentions kelly <laughs> but uh it's, it's, it's a really like again like in the confines of what they had it's such a great well done scene it's like everyone goes around they give story like yeah. everyone gives a story about like what like what they remember about thing which again like implies like sort of like we were talking about with the um the scene where Tally like gets drunk after mm-hmm. uh Sanctuary it's like it implies relationships that Mass Effect 2 maybe didn't go out of its way to really establish exactly which is good because yeah. like you like when those characters felt as separate as they did, it is nice to have a game, and like a DLC specifically that has like such an attention to establishing the way that all these characters like they were a family, like in all in all of this. So again, like having the very like they like handpicked the very particular group of people that should be there instead of like having like the entire crew, like you know James, Caden, whoever being there that have no business being there. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, it's it. It was good. It's like a little way to have a callback and also like honor Thane as the character he was. You get these very like sad moments where you're seeing all the videos that Thane was trying to send you while the Alliance was blocking it. And it's, it's God, it is the second saddest moment in this DLC and it, it, it's close. The other one like really swings and that tells you how much, but, um, yeah. I mean like it's, it's, it's cause, like I always like Thane was like my ride or die in Mass Effect too. So like it was like, I always imagine that he and my shepherd have this really close relationship. So, like, the thing that it just makes it... It's so sad that, like, this guy is, like, trying to have a relationship with, like, one of the people that's, like, really one of his only friends. Like, Coley even says, like, because of the nature of his work, he didn't have a lot of friends. So it was, like, this, this guy is, like, settling down mm-hmm. and trying to, like... Like, he's having this relationship with somebody. He also wants to have this relationship with his friend and just can't because... Mm-hmm. Ugh, damn you, Alliance. Yeah, and it's... Ah... <sighs> yeah it's it's nice and you know it's it's a good send-off for thane like and granted it's the second send-off that we get in this game for him but it really feels like they they did a good job with it um and we'll have to talk about a little bit later uh well i guess we can talk about this now because like to like not spoil like we'll get to the very last scene of the clc in a bit but if you were a female shepherd that didn't have a relationship after thane you get an additional sort of send-off oh at that last scene like when everybody everybody else walks away and then like it's like Thane's ghost or whatever Wait, what? like <laughs> not 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 in actuality but just like a sort of like Shepard's like imagining a conversation that she's having with Thane okay that is that is equivalent to like the one that you had with Liara and then I had with Caden still a little weird 
but we'll look this up. Watch that later. I'm, people, people like have conversations with people who've passed away. I, like it's not okay. No, I'm just I'm thinking about what this like looks like, and I think the thing in well, my I mean, head looks I, weirder than what it actually is. I'm gonna send it to you real fast. I, I'm picturing like some Mufasa shit going on, <laughs> like Thane's head coming through the clouds, like Shepherd. <laughs> I I frequently think about how I think it's the end of NBA 2K18 or maybe 16. So there was a year where the NBA 2K series like really wanted to do a story mode. It was when all the like sports games started getting into story modes and stuff like that. Mm. Um, they had Spike Jones do Spike Jones or oh, Spike yeah, Lee. Yeah. I'm gonna look. Spike Lee. Yes, yeah, he did the story mode for the game. And it literally ends with the dead spirit of your friend doing, like, a monologue. <laughs> Which is the most baffling thing, both in and out of context, that you can hear about a story mode for a basketball game. <laughs> uh, and now, whenever <laughs> I think about, like, a ghost, like, talking to a ghost in a video game, I think of that. Like, I can't not think of that. Um, you're going to have to tell me about the Kasumi mission, or the Kasumi side thing, right. because, again... Thanks, Mass Effect. Did not have Kasumi for this. Well, real quick, you did skip over somebody, but because of the way I got my notes formatted. Oh, it's, uh, well, do, I mean, did we skip over somebody? <laughs> I mean, the, like okay. again, like so. This scene is good. Like, so I there like are lots of Jacob. great squad mates in this game. Jacob is present, um, and we get a little bit here where we just kind of talk to Jacob and catch up. It's very. I mean, it's very, like, oh, you know, here's Jacob doing this thing. He's, like, um, taking care of some kids on the the Citadel, like, showing them a good time and stuff. And, you know, like, kind of, like, chaperoning them to the arcade and all that. And there's not much that happens here. Well, I mean, you do get to, like, he wants to, like, show up. Oh, right, right, right. No, this is when you do the the fighting game thing, yeah. Which is a terribly explained fighting game thing, by the way. Like, they don't tell you Oh, yeah, they they don't explain it whatsoever. Yeah. And so I, I got washed by by the fighting game. Oh, I own it. Oh, okay, good. So I went out like it goes in real life then. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but you also, in the event that you did romance him and you got some unresolved feelings about that. Oh, you get you to... You can kind of address them here. Oh. Hmm. Which can, like, there... It can go, like, one of two ways. One is, like... I want to talk through my feelings. One is you can straight up slap him. Oh, okay. Like, just slap yeah. him across no, the face and walk off, which is good. You know, it's solid. I was like, very fair. So. Huh. Th- and that goes, I mean, that goes to, like, something, that, and we'll talk a little bit more about it as we keep going on. I feel like Citadel is, like, a make good on a lot of the things that they just didn't in, like, the main game. Yeah. Because, like, you get you get second chances at romances that are kind of, go, that go nowhere. But you yeah. also get things like this where you can just, like, I didn't get to really call you out in the main game, so but I can slap you across the face and want nothing to do with you. Don't invite you to the party, you know things like that. Yeah. Um. So, Kazumi, tell me about Kazumi now. Uh, her scenes. So the one thing is that kind of frustrates me about a couple scenes in this DLC is that they're easy to miss, not because like because they don't involve an email, so you have to like <laughs> they examine they something did in the environment dirty twice. That, <laughs> so they. Because, like, the thing with Kasumi is, like, it's not even, like, you go to the bar, which, like, a couple other scenes you do. Like, you go, and it says, like, wait. And you can, like, wait for somebody to show up. Hers, like, you have to, like, examine this, like, really random thing on the side of a wall in the casino. 
And then she comes in with, like, a squad, like, ready to hijack the place. And it's like, you know... She, she wants to take... She wants to, like, take some of the money that the casino has. Oh, okay. And use it, for, use it for the war effort. So, like, that's good. Like, she's got, like, a good reason to use her talents, which is good. Like, I... I think the scene is pretty good because, like, as you're like talking through it and like, what are you, what why what are you doing right here? She's like hacking the the slot machines that she's walking by and like, they like uh, lose money and or they like, uh, like people that are in the middle of playing like it kind of like sparks and they're like, what's going on? I don't know. And so you get the opportunity to be like, leave quietly or like just you know go nuts do your thing. And I always just let her do it because I'm like, you know, if you were just trying to steal for the sake of it, whatever. But like, no, you're trying to help the war effort here. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, that's nice, then. It's nicely she gets a little moment where she's doing stuff that, you know, it shows that she's yeah. off, you know, like, having a good time because she's alive in your universe. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, another character I'm suddenly having trouble remembering, Joker. Um, oh, he's up at the bar. Yeah, he's one the, of the, the bar the casino, And, like, he's, like... Yeah, the bartender's like, I don't... I'm not gonna cop your drinks. I don't yes. anymore. Yeah, and... And so he tells us, like, elaborate story of, like, taking out Cerberus mm-hmm. uh, forces with a mech. And it's, like, the entire thing's narrated, so he's, like, having to, to narrate the the dialogue for the Cerberus. And he's like, oh, we were a fool to disrespect Joker. We were so... Like, where did and we go wrong? And you're getting, like, cuts to, like, like, the images in his mind and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's really good. Okay, I remember this now. And so, like... Yeah, and so you can go there and you can be like, you can back him up, or you can be like, uh, who are you? Like, you're, I'm, you're, you're not getting your drinks comped on my watch. Nah, you. But I was, I'm like, his it's, drinks, man. He's your pilot. Like, cause he's like, it's Joker. It's yeah, and it's like so elaborate. Like he's like really putting in the work. So I'm like, all right, I'll I'll vouch for him. And then as soon as the bartender walks away, I'm like, you can pay me back later. Yeah, not not as much of a like. Maybe not necessarily like the big heartfelt scene that some other characters get, but it's a nice little Joker moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's do Rex next because Rex is also one of those bar meetups that you get, and Rex is also yeah, yeah. one of the funniest ones in the bunch because very, very much. You basically, yeah, as you mentioned, or not Rex's biggest problem is he's drowning in pussy. He's just got it's it's too much. He's he can't. They're literally everybody wants an Erdnot Rex baby, and uh, now that the Genophage is cured because we're not monsters, uh, and oh my god! So there's a part where he's first of all when he sits down and he just thuds his head on the table <laughs> is really good. Like in and of itself, that's yeah. something that you know Mass Effect Two could never make happen. Even in the Mass Effect Three, like dialogues and stuff you never see stuff like that you can really tell they were like pushing what they could do with this uh system here but then like the the physical humor yeah and and it gets even better with the bag of ice that gets handed over yeah because he's obviously puts the bag of ice on his crotch and then as you're talking to rex every time he like pivots or shifts or something they you they make a little like ice crunching noise as he and it's it's really really good like it's just they sell it so well and you have this great dialogue about how all these women want an Erdnot Rex child and you're like oh well maybe Eve you know is, can she do anything he's like Eve's encouraging it and, like yeah. and so um but it's just it's oh it's it's really good and it's nice having Rex here and my like main takeaway from it was like how are there people that didn't keep Rex alive like how could you be that there, there are a lot like let me because there was um 
they, like like I said, I mentioned it like a few episodes back, but like there was like a uh, stats sheet that Bioware released, and I want to say the amount of people who never saw Rex in Mass Effect Three was pretty high. Let me actually pull it up while, while I'm thinking about okay. it. Okay, that's that's depressing. Six, I don't like that. Sixty four sixty four percent of players did not meet Rex in Mass Effect. What? 3. Oh, show notes. And show a, notes. A lot that. of that. A lot of. Okay. Yeah. A lot of that also comes from like d- default Mass Effect. Oh. Um, Mass Effect yeah. Two. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's not alive in That's that. That's stupid. Um. Why? You put yeah, so much a lot into of this character things. too. Like I get that. Yeah, there's a lot of questionable things. Like I that. get that you want it to be like you know there are choices that carry forward and stuff, and you have to kind of deal with the issue of like okay, what do we make the canon thing going into two and the canon thing going into three? But it seems bizarre that that was the one choice that was made. I get that you know maybe in Mass Effect three having Rex show up, you're not going to have the same impact if you didn't play the first two, but. Still, I th- I've but like the same is the same can be said for like Garrus or yeah, like and I, I anybody. feel like that story like, just plays out better when you have Rex as the default versus not having Rex because also Rex is the character that you would think would have the most resources put towards making his stuff good versus the other, and so the idea that the other is the default for people who are just starting there is just bizarre to me. It's really weird. That's maybe like the weirdest choice besides not putting this series on the Switch. Um, <laughs> Samara. Don't, didn't you hear? People don't want EA's games on yeah, the Switch. Yeah, you know, they, we found they play them somewhere else. Maybe because they are somewhere else and not on the Switch. Self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. That's, I read a news story about that this mm. week. Um, so Samara, um, this... Did you have romantic like undertones during this scene for your shepherd? Because mine, no. mine was a little like, did I just accidentally romance Samara? Because oh, you would know because they they made oh them. okay. It just kind of like they were sitting next to each other and there was like soft piano playing and they were like, you know, having a good laugh with some wine and I was like, this is escalating. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, like. It is one of those things, like I said, like with the Jacob thing. It's like they're they kind of make good on that sort of thing that went nowhere. Yeah, because like if, if like for us that was platonic, it was like we had a chance to reminisce about like her time with the Justice Car and like like reading like trading stories about like news articles that were written about mm, like yeah both of the things. Yeah, and so but if you did try to romance her into like you kind of like bring up the conversation again, and Samara's kind of like, finally like sure let's do it and then so they make out and yeah it's does that then set your romance to samara for like the end game purposes or i don't really know like how that changes on that front okay Um, well i mean we'll look into it more when we do next episode because obviously we don't want to spend all of this episode talking about things in the next episode but that'll be something i'll i'll make sure we'll get to i mean obviously we're going to talk about romance stuff next episode because i don't know like for me that because like that was what I said back in, when we, did, we were doing Mass Effect 2 it was like I always liked that Samara was this person that like Shepard could never have mm-hmm. in a game that is like constantly like built around the fact of like Shepard can get whoever he wants and you know it's like I I really liked that there was this character that was just like no this isn't what I want but here they they just they just do it <laughs> they let you do it I, and I'm it's just I'm, a little it's like a little concession almost it's like okay you know just Shepard finally won her over, you know, like really I guess. I 
there are still characters in this game that you cannot romance so it's not like it's like scout harding or anything like that you know it's it's still like they this this was just for people who really wanted to make that happen and it was right. only going to work in like a very specific situation for people who had only like they had already been rebuffed and so i, I don't know i think that's fine um jack i i did not like the first jack section because yeah, that, like, and... you have to do the coliseum stuff to get her thing and by the way so the one thing we have not talked about is that there's this coliseum in this section of you know like the the game which i did not realize at first and then when i did realize it i was like blown away you can just do battle challenges with all the enemies from the entire game mm-hmm. with I think it's any squad mate, even if they're dead, because I think I saw. No, no, no. If they're if they're if they're dead, then you okay. Can't, I thought I saw but... Legion in there for some reason, and okay. No, but I mean, this is like characters from previous games too. Like you can have Rex, you can have Miranda, you can have like uh, mm-hmm. obviously Jack comes back. Like it's. I was really impressed with the scale yeah. of that thing. I did not realize that. Just like how much they there's like rankings it. and like different modifiers and stuff. Like yeah, there's a lot of stuff yeah. in there. I never knew that that was in the Citadel DLC. Um, really impressive. But you have to do a run of that, and then you'll kind of get a message from Jack, and she'll want to do another run with you that she like specifically designed. And you get like a nice little exchange where you're kind of like, oh, it's, it's like the good old days and stuff like that while you're while yeah. you're fighting, and that's fine. But I feel like the second part of Jack's stuff is where it really shines because she comes yeah. over to hang out at your apartment and she brings a pet Varen with her. Yeah. Apparently, she has adopted a Varen and become very attached to it. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, she's kind of like you know they're they're pretty aggressive creatures, but it turns out they're also like very loving and stuff like that and it's as you know here in your notes it's like a very nice wrap up on jack as a character uh it it is like one of those oh wow they've really grown same as liara but i think the reason why it stuck out is because i felt like jack's was not a constant story beat like it felt like a very natural continuation of her beat from earlier in the story of you know like you know these kids actually mean something to me. This is my family. You know, I'm going to defend them. Right. And so I also really like this, uh, relationship. It, like we already talked about it with the tattoo and stuff, but yeah. it's uh, amazingly Jack gets some really good stuff in mass effect three. And I feel like there's a lot of people out there who wrote Jack off because of who she was. <laughs> Jack off. <laughs> I, like, I noticed it. I was like, please don't. <laughs> um, who, who kind of did that because, you know, Jack was, Jack was this character in Mass Effect 2 that maybe in the era of games like Borderlands and thing like things like that, you would overlook this character because you'd see her as just like, oh, there's some edgy punk chick who's just not going to, oh, I know people who are like, they don't like Jack because that's they see that as her character and they don't really get to see how this person continues to grow while still retaining their edge and stuff and and kind of becomes just more a more open person who can like openly care about things and stuff like that so i i felt like this was a good really like a really good way to wrap it all up for jack um it's a, it's a good right. time it's, jack's a great character that you can't romance as a female shepherd bioware the hell <laughs> When you release Mass Effect on the Switch, I demand a patch that makes at least all shipmates bisexual. 
if we're not if we're not going to go in the full the full hog we're just going to make it so you can romance everybody and just call it call it there do the work call it dragon age 2 yes and just give the people what they want damn it um Except for Ashley, you can't romance her. That's the change. <laughs> There's no longer a romance, and Ashley gets stuck on Vermeer every time. <laughs> God bless. Um, we do have one more that you forgot your notes for, but I remember this one very well. This is another. This is actually the part that made me laugh the hardest during the entire um, mm. Citadel DLC was Grunt's thing, um, and I remember it very vividly because <laughs> yeah. I. I mean, you you were watching me streaming. I like lost it at this part so yeah. you're you meet up with grunt because the the cops have kind of brought him in the csec have brought him in he had kind of a wild party night with some of his krogan war buddies and uh you're kind of recounting all the things that they've done it is it's very much like this oh i did this and we did this and i think i did this and then there's a great part where he's like we tried sneaking into the sneaking out of the hospital but it didn't quite go as planned and it just cuts to <laughs> Like, people standing there hanging out in the hospital, like, working. And then you see just, like, outside the window, Grunt falling with all this shattered glass and him yelling. <laughs> it's real. Like, the way it just cuts to that and cuts back is so well done. that It's like, they really yeah. just, they, there were parts of this DLC where they just knew what they were doing. And they just had a vision for what they wanted. And they just nailed it. And that was, like, yeah. that was so good. Like, I... It's really hard for a game to get me to laugh because, like, the way that a game works, usually it's like, oh, you know, I'll chuckle because I'll be like, huh, that's a, huh, that's a funny, you know, name for a thing or whatever, haha. <laughs> but to elicit like genuine laughter from me, it's got to be like snappy. It's got to be timed. It can't be like mechanical, yeah. like a video game feels. And this did not feel that way. This felt like, you know, like you were watching a Netflix show or something like that, where it's like that was just yeah. really well done and man that's all everything else about grunt like whatever but that one part of grunt's section was so good <laughs> it's incredible just as, it just like i love that it feels like you're a parent that's having yes. to get yeah. their kid that just done fucked uh-huh. up it's it's real good and like, you know you, you'll cover for him in front of the cops but when it gets later like nah you and me are gonna have words friend oh boy so can we gotta talk now because we're at the party we oh are. boy um so we start this party i see that we both went for the same fashion option which was hoodie time you know you gotta feel comfortable yep you gotta be in your element um and we both went for energetic because actually i think i did chill and then ramped it up but mm-hmm. for the most part i think past that first one i was always ramping it up i never did like the chill down right um because dude freaking party let's go man let's go um, it also like felt like it, it it just fit the general tone of how everything was going to but let's the setup of this party is essentially that around it, it's almost set up like mass effect generally is where around the different areas there are different conversations happening and you can kind of jump between them and every once in a while you'll get like a little cutscene moment and then that'll kind of signal okay time to move on to the next section of the party so we kind of right. broke it up into these sections so for this first one um it's there's so many characters that can be here and like you know this yeah like i like it's there's so much potential i I just want to say like in a game that is full of like scenarios that are determined by choices from other games 
like, I feel like the coding on this had to have been, like, some of the most complex. Mm -hmm. Because, like, all these conversations and stuff are determined by who is, you know, obviously who is there. But by the, like, by this point in the game, there are only, like, three characters that are guaranteed to be alive. Or, like, three squad mates that are guaranteed to be alive, along with Joker... Cortez and Trainer. So it could be a really so like six sad people... party, theoretically. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so it's like... The, so this can have anywhere from, like, six to, like, 24 people there. Yeah. And, like, pull, like you know, pulling any one person out of these could change the conversation entirely. And so, like, thinking of how many different variations of these things they had to, like, write for and then code for and then animate. And it's like... It's... it's I don't know who had the patience and, like, the the obsessive nature to get all of those little details right, but props to that person. I don't know who it is. Yeah, so but. you have, like, there's there's really different, and I'm actually reading this, and I think, no, okay. Yes, okay, so I was, I was trying to remind myself of how some of this stuff panned out. So there, there's, like, the balcony conversation that's going on, which is essentially, um uh rex grunt javik and zaid uh who are kind of just having like a, a they're arguing about whether rex or grunt is the stronger krogan right. and javik and zaid are kind of egging them on and that's that's good they start like butting heads and stuff and that's fun because like you get a little bit of rex and grunt interaction in mass effect 2 but not a lot and so it's kind of fun to see yeah. them like interact with each other as as your two krogan pals um down in the kitchen you have tally liara garris samara and trainer uh and they're just kind of having like a normal chat but tally is just already hammered i mean she she's like she's already she on pre-gamed it. man she <laughs> like a punch bowl before she showed up um <laughs> boy messy <laughs> but but yeah. she's having fun and apparently so apparently let's let's like address this quick because from the sense that i'm getting is that this isn't like a major thing but like kasumi just kind of drops in and out of conversations in in throughout this whole yeah. thing so she just kind of like cloaks in and cloaks out okay yeah. ultimately that's not bad that i missed that i guess um caden james cortez and jack are all kind of talking about bionics and stuff and uh and being drunk and like the dangers of being a super person super. yeah powered person while also being hammered it's interesting for you that probably had a different dynamic because for you you would have caden and jack who were both biotics whereas for me it was ashley and it kind of felt like it was three people who didn't know what biotics felt like like probing jack about it so that's that's already like one cool place where the the tone kind of changes between the two conversations um Mm -hmm. and then joker miranda edie and jacob all kind of roasting cerberus which is really great um yeah we we find and then also like like also joker talks about how like oh the relationship between me and you just been weird and i was like thank you for finally catching up to the yeah world. yeah um yeah. And you mentioned that jacob has a line about helping him propose in the council chambers and you're like i hope that's not there for someone who romanced jacob yeah i oh uh. um and then like I, like with like the amount of attention they put into like the small little tweaks that I hope that line is not in there in that scenario. Yeah, who but who knows honestly. Um we we can yeah. look it up later maybe, but yikes. 
Um, and also, we get a little mention that like Chakwas is uh, hung up in her medical consult thing, which is why she's not here, which yeah. does suck. Which I imagine was probably just like a, they couldn't get the voice actors yeah. back. Which you I know, would like Chakwas to be here. Like, like I would have, yeah, I would have loved to have been here, her to have been here. But like of the people that could like. If there was one person, uh, like, other people that I wanted to be there to not be there, she was probably the one that, like, I could most Yeah, of, like, of, like, the Normandy crew or whatever. Because it would have been nice to have, like, the engineers here, too, and stuff like that. But, yeah. Um, So now we get to turn the music up a little bit, and things start getting a little bit wilder. (laughs) Um, So, uh, it, it freaks me out when you use Cortez all the time, and all of a sudden you say Steve. <laughs> Weirds me out. I, like, stumbled over that for a second. Um, oh. Cortez, Joker, Garrus, Rex, and Javik are all kind of ganging up on, on Joker for lack of firearm training, and there's a lot of good stuff about that, but also, like, it's kind of a little bit of an air of, like, you mentioned here, like, a man emergency and stuff like that, where it's like, come yeah. on, dude, like... Uh, I mean, I forgot who it is who yeah. says that. I think it's like that was Rex. Rex. That was yeah, Rex. it does kind of fit Rex. Which I mean, like, like amongst those people, like that. Is yeah, the I would say it would either be Rex or James, but, but um, yeah, but like also, like they're right. Like I was, like I support her, yeah. supported Cortez. Of like, dude, and like he gives like all these like alternatives as to like what he could do, and he's like, oh, the armory is like, you know, on the same floor. And I was like, what if you can't get to it? And he's like, oh. Well, Edie's there. She she can prepare. It's like, what if she's down? Like all these different scenarios. Because like they bring up like the collector uh, attack on the ship, where like they literally came and like Joker had to navigate through the entire ship through sneaking. When if he had learned to shoot a gun, like maybe things could have. Uh, been I don't think if Joker. I mean, there were a lot of people with guns on that ship that did not go well for them. So. I, th- I think Joker ultimately mm. did the right thing, even though him knowing how to use at least like a pistol would probably be all right. Um, yeah. We also have Garrett or Grunt, who's turning away people at the front door. Uh, yeah, no, I never invite the people up. Uh, yeah, I don't I, understand I why don't that would be that an has. option. Yeah, I was like, what did you th- like? I don't know who would do that. Like, but like, what did you think this party was for? Yeah. Do you, did you think it was for a bunch of strangers that? just gonna crash no you do get a fun like turning them down scene though that's really fun yeah like grunt just has some fun just like yeah just like all right press this button and then just say no (laughs) uh and then you just like walk by he's just always like no 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 (laughs) um zaid flirting with samara is really good they're already starting to get a little sloshed and god bless Mm. zaid he's he's trying man he's respect even you know he's it's a man who sees kilimanjaro knows he'll never climb it but he'll die trying (laughs) (laughs) i can't respect that man although like samara like starts to like seem kind of that was the thing because at first i was like oh is this gonna be weird where like he's hitting on her and she's clearly not into it but it kind of seems like she was entertaining it a little bit like not like she was actually going to like flirt back or engage in anything but just and then finally when she like actively says and like when she actively ends up saying no, he immediately backs off, and I was like, "That un- underneath that messed up face is a real." Gentle Even kid. Zaid understands that consent is important, kids. It's important. So, if Zaid can understand consent, so can exactly. You. Uh, so we then we we have Jack and Miranda, which is actually one of my favorite interactions in this whole one. If you couldn't tell from how much I love Jack and Miranda, but also because this is a really good like. 
follow-up to the conflict that they had in Mass Effect 2. Like, them kind of, you know, having it out at each other and just shit-talking each other like crazy. And you can either, like, encourage the rivalry or you can tell them to, like, make up and be friends. And I love that if you do that, they're like, we're friends, Shepard. We just give each other shit because this is what we do. (laughs) Like... Mm-hmm. I, I I like that. Like it, it kind of because I was like, oh, don't fight, come on, we're trying to have a party, and they're like, no, we're we're cool, we're fine, like chill. And then there's obviously a follow up later to it where they're like, they're definitely having fun together and stuff. You can tell that they're still yeah. like friendly. They're just like they got some, they got some I, banter I, between yeah. them. Yeah, I remember the one line with Jack. She was like. Yeah, you're a Cerberus cheerleader who I can't stand, but I'm not afraid to admit that you have fantastic tits. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> wait, so you got a little thing about Caden like offering to help with food and music and stuff? Because Liara did not do that for me. Yeah, because like, well, first up, we go up there and James is making an art for right, himself, right. just like being like, you know, you know physical prowess trumps biotics and like meanwhile he's got like these four very powerful biotics in front of him yeah he's got liara um liara caden and jacob is a biotic i guess is yeah and and miranda ends up there ends up there later after she's done talking to jack but um and so i one thing i supported biotics i'm an idiot but then but then like i go over to talk to caden later and he's like very like attentive like do you need help with anything like he's already kind of drunk so he's like do you need help with anything because i can do i can do whatever you need and then i'm like no please get back to the party and he's like all right you're the boss except when you're not in that case find me later uh okay i did get a like find me later with liara but i don't remember her offering to help maybe she did i don't know but um yeah uh and then we kind of hang out with Edie and trainer and tally which is also really good i actually i really like this scene because of how uncomfortable it is because yeah and then and like tally is like the the oh, voice of the God, audience yeah. the entire so time. for she is for trying our desperately audience, to change the um edie edie is basically like uh has realized trainer is gradually realizing that edie is aware of all the times that trainer has been like super turned on by Edie and has made like comments and stuff like under her breath and like raised heart rates and stuff like that and uh it it gets progressively more graphic uh the the detail to which uh Edie is like noting this stuff which is both like um making trainer embarrassed but also like getting at her a little bit and yeah. uh poor tally is just sitting there like oh please god kill me anything let's talk about anything else please it's... the cheese the cheese is so good shepherd it's and she started she has like a freak out i think about what kind of cheese it is or whatever um yeah she, she's like she doesn't know if it's dexter or not like if she can right. eat it or she should have yeah, it's she's like oh i was so drunk i forgot to scan it it's oh it's good times and then okay so there's dance time which is also great um so now we have pumped the music up even more and we have dance time and joker and Edie. i mean so you tried to get joker to dance right which is what i did as well yeah mm-hmm. you get joker to dance come on yeah. man come on come on this could be the last party we ever have get up and dance man um yeah joker's laugh if Shepard offers a- to dance with Edie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like 
if, if Joker's not gonna dance and Shepard's like well I'll dance with you idiot and then he gets up and it's like for a solid 20 seconds I would say Joker's laugh just gets louder and louder and louder <laughs> And like just more exaggerated. Yeah, like first, like, but it's, it's it, it stretches on a little too long, but then it comes back around to being funny. Like it's it does the full circle where it's like they go past yeah. it, but then come back around to it. It's yeah, uh, it's good stuff. Uh, and yeah, also we get in there, we dance, of course, we break it down, we show them the shepherd moves. Can't can't let that stay in the corner. Don't leave baby in the corner. You know what I'm saying? Like get in there. <laughs> um and but meanwhile so all all the dancing queens are having a great time we've got trainer cortez jack tally garris samara they're all having a great time like and i like that you note here that like this really captures the spirit of the whole thing like they're all just having a good time they're all dancing they all kind of Mm -hmm. make fun of clown on shepherd's dancing style a little bit um it's it's a good time and then over in the corner like rex javik and zaire are like running combat drills like, yeah. shooting like I, oh my god it's oh it's weird um and then also upstairs we have them lifting like liara's lifting james biotically and just like hovering him in the air and stuff yeah. it's like the fact that she doesn't throw him across the apartment is like some real stuff like everyone is getting super messy at this point and just doing like weird stuff and it it's like capped off i think by finding grunt in the shower just completely he's out man he's done he's done um and so then one uh, well i was gonna say that one thing that uh, that like i wouldn't have seen but you did was um ashley and james can oh god we haven't talked about that yet yeah no um ashley and james uh that was for me too that was happening so they basically gradually hook up over the course of the night and that was uh, part of me like it just had a different connotation to it than like the garris tally stuff because the garris tally stuff ends up feeling like very sweet and stuff like that and it's very cute like it's got some weight to it like it feels meaningful this one is like oh this is a sloppy hookup in the middle of happening like and i'm just <laughs> seeing it happen and i i let it continue because i was like you know i'm not your i'm not your parents or whatever and i'm gonna like shut this down yeah. if you want to do this and do this like but it it just kind of was weird because like i loved all these little moments like you know james at one point mentions like he keeps bringing up he's gonna make huevos or rancheros which is like i don't mm. know if you ever had that can that's delicious um mm. it's is is mm. the some of the best hangover food you could ever have um <laughs> but it's like they've all got these kind of ongoing threads but it seems like ashley's just gradually becomes like i'm hooking up with james tonight and it's mm. it just kind of gets like a weird tone to, I, I i don't know this might be just me and my perception of these characters and stuff like that whereas if it was like two characters i actually liked a little bit more i'd be more like supportive of it but i was kind of like uh it was just kind of weird and then other characters mm. kind of comment on it throughout the night too which is a little bit more fun you know they, they're kind of like hey did you see ashley and james over there and stuff like that that was a little bit better yeah um come to think of it i was actually surprised that the only that's like the only hookup stuff that you see in this dlc is ashley and james and then kind of zaid and samara like 
whole yeah. new, like flirtation between them. But I was I was honestly surprised there was. Well, I guess with Edie and Trainer, there's like a little bit, and then you have Joker and Edie. So I guess there is more. But I I guess I was just surprised that didn't feel as much. But then again, this is like you know it's kind of a party. Maybe that's why it skews me out is because like the whole idea of the party is supposed to be like everybody's together for one last time. And so, like, having that sort of, like, hookup stuff on the side kind of feels like it's putting a different twist on it, making it feel more like a frat party and less like, a, you know, friends hanging mm. out and really, like, enjoying each other's company. I wonder, like, if it would have, like, maybe if you'd gone, like, the route of, uh, like, the more chill party, if it might have, like, the dialogue might have been a little bit different. Yeah. To make it seem a little less. Maybe. Kinda... Maybe. But then again, we're, we're not here to do that. We're here to throw a banger. So that's what right. we're doing. Um... uh so we do take a group photo here which is just also great uh i think i have that screenshot saved somewhere i think i screenshotted it while i was playing it so that's that's nice again it would be great i I wish there was well i was gonna say it would be great if i was was like i wish the switch so we could screenshot it there (laughs) yeah uh but uh we wake up fully clothed with our significant other um my my thing my little dialogue with liara was not much it it was just very much like oh that was that was fun last night so i don't know what... yeah that, like this point it's pretty much like okay, that cool. for everybody it's just kind of like everyone's like oh i had a great time last night with you and let's go see how everybody else is awake so like at this point there's not much to it um we do get to like kind of tour around and talk to all the people and see how they have all recovered some people are doing great some or people not. are really oh, poor Tally. <laughs> oh, Tally, we've who amongst us has not been there before? Um, <laughs> but so there, and the Joker's passed out in the yes. bar. Javik is passed out in the yeah. bathroom. Um, Grunt seems like Bless he bounced him. back all right, but that's because yeah, he also like, no rec- no recollection. Yeah, he also like pieced out earlier than everybody else. That's the secret trick. <laughs> you got to be the first one to hit the floor. Um. One thing that you don't have your notes that I do want to talk about is we have this scene, the scenes with uh, Morden, because you kind of, you have this moment where you wake up and like right next to the bed is this thing that's like, I forget what the context behind it is. It's like Morden had some journals or something and you you just got them now or something, but it's basically their way of doing for Morden what they already did for Thane and... Uh, right. This is so only Legion is the only one that gets yeah, nothing poor, in the steel Um This is the one that really messed me up. Like I was really glad that I was not face camming during this section because you would have seen a very mm. emotional Eric. Because yeah, um, they do a really good job of like again capturing so much of who Morden is. Like the the segment with the children's show is again like i was laughing out loud it was honest to god like one of the funniest things ever like that was so well done and purely through audio too like uh, yeah. and then but it, it does so much else to just kind of put a bow on morden's story arc in general it, it like give you that little feeling of closure on him as a character and mm-hmm. it, i thought that was a really nice inclusion i would have been like obviously if it wasn't in there i wouldn't have known but um it it, the dlc feels more complete because of it i think it also sets up what is eventually then the ending of this dlc so um 
I mean, this this basically ends with you say like, okay, cool, party's over, let's get back on the Normandy, and you kind of just get this final scene where everyone's getting back on the Normandy, and you have this kind of like gaze off into the distance, and you, you talk with your love interest. Um, I think this dialogue is the same across all of them because this looks like what Liara said to me. Um, it's like the the conversation is the same, but like the 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 specifics of what right. he said is a little but bit different. But the the way it closes on, it's been a good ride and the best. Like, oh, just reading that now, like I felt a little drop in my heart. Like, <laughs> it's, <sighs> I mean, like, so Candy, you've got a lot written here, so just tell me, like, how you felt about this ending. So, I want to paint a picture of the first. I think it was like the first week of March of 2013 when this mm-hmm. came out. So. This would have been, like, a full year since Mass Effect 3 had come out. Um, and, you know, that year was... It was full of controversy, full of, like, a lot of, like, just awful things that happened on the internet. You know, the really... The, the, everything about the ending and sort of the way that everyone kind of, like, tried to push the notion that, like, because they didn't like the ending, the trilogy as, it's, like, as a whole had been undone for them. So I had, like... I had been a person that liked the original ending and... Mass Effect had been this huge constant for, like, the past however many years, like, specifically, like, through my, like, high school years, like, the very beginning of college, and this scene, like, in a, in a, a Mass Effect 3 is a game that, like, you know, there's, there's a list of a m- moments that made me just, like, lose it, but, like, I didn't feel like anything encapsulated my feelings, like, a year after the fact, like this one did, because it was, like, so, like, I wrote in my, in my notes, like, on two levels, why this scene is, like, perfect to me. One is because, like, it is, there is a somnus, because, like, everyone, you know, we've had this great party, this great time together, but we do have to eventually go back into what this, like, where this game ends up going, which is in, you know, 75% of the endings, Shepard, it's dead, and, like, you know, there's this inevitability to it that is really captured in, like, some of those lines, it's like, Shepard says, like, at least we got to throw a hell of a party, but it was probably the last one. And then, you know, the, the love interest can be, like, very, you know, encouraging, like, nah, you're gonna win this, and you're gonna come back to me, and it's gonna be great. Um, so I think from that perspective, like, really capturing, like, the how bittersweet this moment was, it was perfect. But for me, personally, like, this was the final scene of Mass Effect. Like, yes, the ending is a whole other thing, but, like, in terms of how they rolled it out, like, this was going to be the very end, because they were like, this is the last DLC for Mass Effect 3, you know, the game that would grow to be Andromeda was, you know, several years away, and so, like, what made this scene so important to me was, like, it is, like, the the final scene of this series was between Caden and Shepard, and for me, Mass Effect, like I said, you know, back in the coup episode, like, in spite of everything else going on, to me, Mass Effect was about this relationship, and basically trying to get through it all to like find that ending together because like like Hayden says like you'll find you will find a way to win and when you do I'll be waiting it's, this has been the greatest challenge of my life but it's also been the greatest reward and it's been a good ride and then Shepard says it's the, the mm-hmm. best and to me that was like encapsulated how I felt about the Mass Effect trilogy it was like all of this that we went through culminated in something that was this wildly important story to me and you know, it, like, it, it carries on the conversation. They're, they're fighting against the Reapers, and, like, once this war is over, they're gonna... That is gonna be the greatest reward when it's all over. But for me, that was, like, 
like again, like for all these years, like to that point, it was it had been a good ride. It was the best. Like it was, this, I don't know. Like it's just like I, I'm not kind of at a loss for words because like it was just so. I didn't expect them to be able to capture the same like the feeling that I was uh-huh. feeling personally, as well as they did in that one scene. Like it doesn't like this. 90 seconds of dialogue they like that was exactly how I was feeling at that moment knowing that yeah you know the Mass Effect 3 you know the ending was the ending of the story but like this is the end of my journey yeah I so for me like seeing this later it was incredible just seeing like this feels like such an ending in its own right like this was like this could have easily been the ending of the game and from what i understand there's actually a mod out there that like on pc that shifts around the order of cutscenes. so you actually as as like shepherd is dying in the beam or whatever you see this scene it like flashes back to this and i think that's like a really mm-hmm. interesting framing of this like uh, shepherd remembering this moment so it ends on the last thing that is spoken in the game is that it's been a good ride the best and right. like it's but even as just standing alone as presented by bioware it's this incredible send-off of a series that you can tell meant so much to the people who made it like that that was maybe my biggest takeaway from citadel was that this is something that was made by people who really cared about what they were making and they like they weathered a storm to do it too because like you said there was so much going on around the Mm -hmm. ending people were unhappy with how it was I mean, we're going to discuss a lot of that next episode in detail, but, like, I'll tell you right now, like, my overall feeling is that a lot of it was overblown, a lot of it was misguided. Honestly, I think a lot of it kind of set up discussions that we're still having today that are not productive in gaming. And, like, but this, this general idea that, like, they basically, like, I some people want to call this like citadel's the real ending of mass effect 3 like ignore Mm. the the other ending this is the real ending i think that cheapens what citadel is because citadel acknowledges Mm. that like finality like you said it it acknowledges that this is not going to end well um it, it acknowledges that there is like sorrow in this but there is still joy to be found in it like these things are not mutually exclusive something can make you happy and make you sad at the same time and i i i i don't want to like cheaply draw this reference but i think a lot of like like the fast and the furious movies is is like what this specific citadel like dlc reminded me a lot of that in the later fast and furious movies when they started really pivoting to be about like the you know the family and and when a lot of people say that like those movies started getting really good um and i highly agree with that um, it has that same sort of feeling of this is Bioware understanding what makes Mass Effect good and then you know basically throwing out all all that they can to just give it one last send off and Citadel just right. I mean it it exceeds uh, like it, it exceeds expectations like it is a wonderful beautiful thing that is like it's just a love letter to all the people that loved seeing this game mm-hmm. and i it, it retroactively makes me more angry about the fallout from mass effect 3 because 
no matter like whether you thought that the ending was good or not like this idea that people had that they didn't care about what they were doing and they didn't right. care about the series this is like obvious like yes they did they yeah. understood it so well and and Siddle was just their yeah, way like, of like showing that i guess and like proving it but right. in some ways like i'm glad like, that like we Citadel... have it, but in other ways i'm angry that this yeah. is what had to happen for people to understand that because like i mean something like citadel doesn't happen for like can you think of an equivalent in any other series they're like they made that like you know a, a year after the fact they hadn't abandoned the game and they wanted to make this like because, like, think about how many people, like, they had to bring back, like, in terms of voice yeah. action. Like, literally everybody and, comes back. And, like, a Legion. full year, and, too. Like, that's important to note as well. Like, there was a lot of time between this and, and Mass Effect 3 and Mass Effect 3's ending. Like, because right. the comparison I was going to draw was Trespasser. But even that doesn't hit the same highs that this does. And Trespasser feels right. more like it's just kind of wrapping up some plot threads and setting up where Dragon Age is going to go. Whereas yeah. this is very much, like, you know, Mass Effect's not going anywhere. It's it is ended. Like at this point, this is basically them saying like we are done with Mass Effect for the like Shepard's right. story, and we just want to give Shepard one last send off. And yeah. in in that respect, it's just it's really incredible. It's it's really good, yeah. and it, it it makes me want for more of this. And at the same time, it makes me want for no more of this because. Exactly. Yeah, I like, can't see how where they go that would make that would not cheapen what's given here. And that's like one of the, I mean, the, this is skipping ahead for like a couple more weeks, but like that was one of the reasons. Like I was like the idea of Mass Effect and drama, like a new Mass Effect. Like I was like, I don't need that. Like I don't like. It's kind of like you've been given like the perfect amount of a meal, and then somebody's like, "All right, you want dessert?" I was like, "I'm I'm good. Yeah. I don't I don't need another thing." And, you know, like, I mean, like, people people that were, like, on the higher end of the Mass Effect trilogy were, like, were behind Andromeda. So, like, I don't doubt that they wanted to make that game, but it was, like, why can't, like, if you've, if you've come up with something that you've taken so much care to, like, be the final send-off of something, do you need to make that next thing? Like, do, can you not leave things as they lie? I don't know. Like, I... And, you know, and we'll talk about more about that mm-hmm. in next week yeah i i think that's a good place to stop for us for this week because next week we are getting into london we're we're doing the Cerberus headquarters but more notably notably we're doing london and the ending of mass effect 3 and we're working right now on getting something special put together for that but um it's that's going to be the end of it won't be the end of normandy fm we will still be doing mass effect andromeda ken is has a schedule for that i believe already and uh next week we'll Mm -hmm go over that at the very end but um yeah citadel it's something else it's something incredible you want to know something else so like yeah, up before yeah, we yeah. wrap up the week the citadel came out i met mark Muir for the really? first time at a huh. con and that was the point because like i mean you and i have known each other long enough that like i've, I've you've seen me write about like how much mass effect has meant to me and that was the point where I finally got to tell him. I was like, I believe verbatim, I was like, Shepard was the most important character of my adolescence growing up. And he was like, that means a lot to hear from you, random uh-huh. stranger. That's... And then I got, like, art signed by him of my uh, Shepard and Caden. So. That's always really nice, though. It's, it's cool to meet people like that, especially when they were, like, so influential on you. And then he went on to say that we're the best uh, podcast on the Citadel. Fun fact. Yeah. Um, 
that's going to do it for Normandy FM this week. We just want to real quick thank every one of our patrons out there. Keep the lights on. Keep our SoundCloud going. Thank you so much. Special, special. see, I can't even talk right now. We've been going for like two and a half hours. Um, special shout out. Which is 30 minutes left. Yeah. I would say that's 30 minutes left than I thought yeah, we'd go. Normally, right? Um, special shout out to uh, Ruben Vanderlund. Thank you so much for for donating to us for contributing um if you want a special shout out with your name if you want to ask us questions if you want to participate a little bit more you can hop on check out our patreon goals but we appreciate anything y'all send in just to keep things going around here we love it we're happy to have y'all we're happy to have y'all listening so that'll be it for this week next week it's the ending and uh i have admittedly not played that yet i'm looking at probably doing a stream of that this weekend maybe so uh if i do do that we will <laughs> do do uh we'll post that on the twitter and uh and let y'all know so be sure to follow uh, twitter.com slash normdfm show and if you want to check out our patreon that's patreon.com slash normdfm but for ken i'm eric thank you so much for tuning in we'll see you next week on the finale of mass effect 3 normandy fm Dormidia film. Dormidia film. Dormidia film.